can't believe, like, since I started this pod, my life just changed so quick. I hooked up the good podcasters. I've met so many people. Started Instagramming so much. For me, it's crazy-like. It's like a dream come true. For me, it's crazy-like. They're sending me on filming trips to Tempe. For me, it's just crazy to be there. Recording with those skaters I used to watch in videos. Kristen, Ryan, McSchmitz. And now I'm getting a part in the same podcast. For me, it's like, it's unreal. And it's all thanks to Kyle. Because without all his help, I wouldn't be talking on this intro right now. Yo, what is up, skaters? Welcome back to another episode of Vent City. We've got the full cast on the pod today. Kristen Ebling, Ted Barrow, Kyle Beachy, Ted Schmitz, and me, Ryan Lay. How are y'all doing? Good. Right. Things are... Wait. Great. Are we doing well? Very so well. So good. Very well. I'm doing, doing well. Really Had a great day yeah. so far. What's new, Kristen? What is new? Um, well, I hurt my foot <laughs> the day before I was supposed to film um my last trick for my video part which just sounds like a great idea like film a part for four years of your life and then like the one trick you like really wanted to get just like leave that for the end <laughs> um so yeah just learning some valuable life lessons um about procrastination dare we, dare we ask what trick that was <laughs> come on we're gonna have to bleep it out again <laughs> did you dude i'm already like this is part of like processing my shame around this <laughs> And I don't know if I'm ready to admit I was trying to switch flip a drop. <laughs> yeah, Let, uh, let's just say that that do, drop is currently not skatable. Why? Because they <laughs> yeah. destroyed it. Yeah, because it's they're, they're remodeling it. Let's just yeah. Yeah, they ripped it out. Yeah, it's going to be two drops in the future. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dude, don't Schecklerize my fucking <laughs> claim there. Um, but yeah, that's that's been rough. But I've been really psyched to be skating again. I landed a couple tricks this week. I didn't know what I could do. So I'm did you do really every good. trick in your part chronologically? Like you did your opener first and then like, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, I did not do that, but, uh, I know what the first trick is I want to get for my next video cause I for- forgot to do it for my, for this current part. So anyways, um, yeah, like I said, processing the shame that I've, um, encountered through this process. I'm- I'm not going to do any more video parts. I'm just going to start new accounts every time I start skating different stuff. <laughs> so I already know like what like what new post I'm going to get. You mean like you're going to do a different persona or you're just going to like be the same dude, same team? Well, yeah, I mean, I got to put like my ditch skating on one account, yeah. like my skate park skating on another, mm-hmm. like my funny Benny Hanna's on another, you know, it's like it's like having different parts in different videos, but nobody watched my video parts. So clog the feed with all with your versatility. What about you, Ted? What's going on? Ted Barrow. Who, Ted me? Barrow. Um, yeah. I, I was trying to think of things I'm stoked on. I hung out with my friend Sloane's daughter, Odile, on Father's Day, or the day before Father's Day, and that was fun. We, she's, like, scooting around, and we, fil- we filmed the part together. That was, I don't know, that was since the last, over the last two weeks, it's been the best thing that's happened to me is hanging out with a friend's baby. How old Aww. is she? Uh, she's about 18 months. Cute as hell. And very hmm. sweet. Give us an 18-month update. So 18 months is about the size of what kind of fruit or object? 
It's like a the it's like somewhere between like a a Zipzinger Mini and a Zipzinger Mid. Good. Um, and um, slightly larger nose. Uh, they're upright. They don't say a lot of words, but they know words. And um, they they kind of they don't like it when you skate away from them, and they do like it when you skate towards them. Based on my experience. That's beautiful. I was going to say that kind of reminded me. We have a surprisingly childless group of uh, older skaters. I think this is, why, yeah, we, this is why we spend so much time talking about skateboarding. Uh, yeah, I was gonna... <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, dads and moms are like, what, talk for uh, Yeah, it'd like, be like changing a diaper or something. <laughs> Imagine like... Ha- I gotta, yeah, yeah, I got to feed people. <laughs> Imagine having like a, uh, you know, a, a child and having to sort of plan this uh, wouldn't happen. No. Yeah, no. Unlikely. Unlikely. Do you ever like talk to people that have kids and you just like think about how hard that must be? I don't know. I don't know how they do it. Respect to parents. Well, they tell us all the time. I I, I think the reason, right? The reason I think about how hard it is for them is because that's all they talk about. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it changed their lives, and you have no idea. It's funny because, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but then I tell them about like the panic and dread of being a single person and they like don't see it as hard at all. And I'm like, okay, fine then. Yeah, they yeah. usually will just agree to not relate. Yeah, when I when I share that sentiment, which I feel profoundly, uh, they look at me like I'm like kind of like a big dumb animal that <laughs> will probably just become extinct before like it. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's why a lot of people do have kids though, just to give themselves busy work to distract them from like the sort of panic that is inherent to like a you know any american person living under the current economic model it's also a good reason not to have kids you know i was i was at a dinner once with two notable authors brag um and nobody (laughs) at the table there are six of us there nobody at the table had children um and we had this conversation somebody brought up uh the concept of unconditional love and one of the authors totally believed in it and one of them just completely rejected the notion altogether that there was such a thing as unconditional love and about halfway through the conversation was like wait a minute I think that's what parenthood is like I think that's actually (laughs) we don't have the authority to talk about this and the whole table got really weird it was good was um that's awesome one of is conditional though if if you're love came up and punched everybody you knew in the face you would not love that thing anymore was was one of those authors whose name you neglect to mention Anne rand Anne rand or whatever didn't she believe not believe in unconditional love (laughs) (laughs) it was not it was not ayn rand ayn rand no no thank god um but i can go next because um, the two things that I've been soaked on recently, one of the, they're both narrative objects, and one of them is this novel by a guy named Jesse Ball, who is a Chicago author, um, and he's written a bunch of books. He writes them very quickly, uh, and he's kind of he's in the sort of Kafkaian vein of like semi um, absurdist or fantastical work um, that has a whole lot of like almost allegorical uh, meaning to it. Um, but his his most recent novel is this book called Census, um, and it's an incredibly beautiful, fairly straightforward story about a man and his autistic child, um, and it's just totally beautiful and, and a totally wonderful read, um, so I recommend that. And the other thing that I've been super hyped on is I went today to see The Last Black Man in San Francisco um, this afternoon, solo. Uh, 
I just like going to movies by myself generally, um, but this film was particularly moving and um, had a whole lot of skate content in it. Um, and I'm always really interested in the way that people use skateboarding in narrative. Um, you know, that we have all sorts of models for like dressing up a coming in of age story as a skateboarding story or dressing up a sort of like fish out of water story as a skateboarding story. Um, but what The Last Black Man in San Francisco did was really find a way to kind of incorporate skateboarding into this story about San Francisco. Um, and it was, I mean, I, I can't recommend it enough. I'm still sort of processing the film. Um, and I'd love, actually, I, I don't know that there's anyone I would rather talk about it with than you for. So go see it. Where the, the protagonist was a skateboarder? The protagonist is a guy named Jimmy. Uh, it, it's interesting. There are Jimmy is the main character for sure, but really the relationship between Jimmy um, and kind of the world around him. Uh, there's there's a guy named Monty, I believe is his, his friend's name. Um, but yeah, he's a skater. And um, the way that skateboarding comes up is really, really, I think, uh, worth another view. Like, I want to go back and see it. Like, it's sort of an escape. It's sort of that kind of like, you know, the, the model of skateboarding as a way out or as skateboarding as um, an alternative to the rigors of day-to-day -day life. Um, but at the same time, skateboarding is kind of like roped into the rigors of day-to-day -day life. Like, you know, the scene opens with him and his friend waiting for a bus. And finally, he's like, well, let's skate. And they, they double up on the skateboard and they have this kind of weird synchronized push and it's you know like the work of someone like boots riley or michelle gondry or spike jones it's a little bit unrealistic at times um and gets almost kind of into this dreamy category and to see skateboarding kind of do that while also you know andy roy has a cameo in it daywon song has a cameo in it um, oh andy and roy i'm in fuck it yeah get i'm there. so fucking get down there. now <laughs> get there. oh shit get there. and the seattle homies does uh stunt work oh is that who does it wait who does is he yeah. the one bombing the hills yeah nile Oh yeah, yeah. man! Yeah, man. he's from the Seattle area, but he lives in SF now. But it's the one. Yeah, there's one incredibly beautiful hill shot, and it kind of like pans back, and you sort of see the skyline. Um, and yeah, he doesn't speed check; he just kind of turns down. And I wish I knew the street name, but it was. Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. I'm still processing it. It's it's super profoundly um, affecting. Are you still processing the first switch frontside flip you've ever done? You know what, man? Thank you for bringing that up. I'm yeah. incredibly hyped. I did not expect <laughs> it. You know, I mean, you hit 40 and you're a kind of, um, you know, I was never, I, I got, I had shop flow. That was it. That was my max. So I didn't really <laughs> expect ever to um, continue to acquire new tricks as I aged. I thought this would just be a kind of slow you know, slow war, war of attrition, <laughs> like things just slowly <laughs> depart. Um, so, you know, I was super hyped to do that and I couldn't have done it. I can't do it on flat ground. Um, but my homie, Zach Ader, greatest, my favorite skateboarder was like, you should do it over a hip. I bet it's a lot easier. And indeed it was. So that's yeah, right. Very hyped. Yeah. I was going to say real, big, that real like big hip skater. Oh, sorry. Real big around. hip, which is a skate ska band. <laughs> 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 um, I was just going to say... She's got an ender now, that classic track. Sorry, Kristen, I'm an asshole. No, go for it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm just making jokes about Real Big Fish, the band that had a song, She's Got a Girlfriend Now, which I'm probably sure is pretty homophobic in retrospect. Um, what, that's same it. with a lot of things, but... 
Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, there's... I remember being in music class when I was like in uh, maybe third grade and my music teacher told me this weird thing, told the whole class this thing where like you have this window where your brain can learn all these things and once you hit like 12 or 13, this like window closes and it becomes yeah. really hard to learn things as an adult. Did, were you all told that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, they just told me I would never learn. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a little different, Ted. <laughs> Like you're a fucking lost cause. I don't know. Like, mo mo most people stop learning shit. You just never will learn shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. So, but so, honestly, sorry, I've learned more skateboarding tricks in the last like three years just because I have a different mindset that's yeah. fun, yeah. and I have a skate park that I can like learn shit on. Like literally at Altogether Skate Park, the indoor that I constantly skate. There's a flat bar that can be literally an inch off the ground. Like I've learned everything there. Like I think yeah. it's all about having like good stuff you can try shit on. Because when you get older, you're like, oh yeah. Like I remember that one time that I broke my ankle because I thought I could just do it down the drop. Like now that I'm an adult, it just takes me a little bit longer to learn. But yeah. I've learned yeah. so much more. So yeah. I don't know. I I mean, I'm inspired I can't even... by you, Kyle. I can't even push switch. Like, this is the thing is that like, yes, I you can. T well, Ted is, yeah, well, the, I, the, the problem for me is that my right foot, my back foot um, is just not in, it just hasn't been trained to flick at all. Right. And my like left foot, my front foot flicks wrong. So w training my right foot has actually been this weird thing where it's like, oh, if I do it switch, I can do a kickflip the way that like the yeah. youth do kickflip, which is yeah. well. But if I do it with I my left foot regular, <laughs> I do a kickflip like the way Mark Gonzalez did a kickflip, which was hilarious and to the side. Yeah. yeah. I exact yeah. same thing. Is that muscle totally. memory? Yeah. Well, but it's also yeah. like, re it's also just like you haven't learned the bad habits of like the, the, right. 80s and early 90s with right. your with your switch foot um but i also think that like i was talking to someone about the neurology of skateboarding and how like it's like it's part muscle memory it's part like associating with the most exciting and traumatic things that happened to your body and mind for decades and it's part just like the it's the music and environment and like smells of a place and all of those things can like actually supersede whatever like physical and sometimes mental limitations that you have about skateboarding that or have about like shit that you know there's plenty of stuff that i'm not as good at uh now than i was when i was younger but um huh. yeah, i think skateboarding is very unique like that it's not obviously not like riding a bike but it's so much more immersive than riding a bike and obviously more difficult but but i do think yeah it's you can continue to learn shit and maintain shit Perhaps not as well, uh, well into your 42s. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, feel like there's, I feel like there's such an abundance of tricks that you can get worse at skateboarding but still continue to learn tricks. I am right. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. Not to let y'all down. I just learned Smith grind to manual to kickflip last year. So yeah, that that's a classic one that I finally got. Finally. <laughs> I mean, Chris, uh, check. I learned that I was surprised to hear that you hadn't switched frontside flipped, uh, Kyle. Cause like, I, I know that like, it probably took me, um, it probably took me two or three days to learn how to kick flip when I first started skating. Um, but no, it, was, uh, <laughs> it took me it two took or three me, years, dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, legitimately it took me like, uh, I, I can't remember what it was. It was two or three months, but after I learned how to kick flip within the first uh, year and a half, I had done all of the 
kind of turn 180 tricks, yeah. like, um, you know, half cab flip, uh, frontside flip, switch frontside flip, all, all that kind of shit. And I had just focused on the concept of landing them without the concept of sort of technique or aesthetic and it or shows. style. And, <laughs> and when I started using my right foot to flick as, as you have now, I didn't use it as you have now learned, um, I, I kind of had the concept of starting a motorcycle in mind where you just where you just you get the you you kick the fucking thing straight down into the ground as hard as you can yeah, and just yeah just smash it. The idea of the board coming up is completely irrelevant yeah. if you're going off a high curb. Now is that because you grew up um, watching America videos and uh, uh, with a penchant for Heath Kirchhardt's parts? Uh, actually, <laughs> don't uh, don't confuse me when I'm on a roll, baby. Uh, I've got uh, so basically no. I've been able to switch frontside flip for almost as long as I've been able to skate, but they have always double dribbled. I have uh, all right. So first of all, Ted Schmitz, thank you for saying my name when you were referring to me. I think like early um, animated uh, like afternoon programs that were toy tie-ins like the transformers or other things we should like say our name all the time so people recognize like that we are distinct individuals there are five of us here um <laughs> even though we all share the same opinion right there, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's two guys they're good at voices it's Kristen. <laughs> I, I had a question for you which was because you speak of the switch flip is like one of your favorite tricks do you like, do you do them the same? Are your are your flicks the same? Or because I think of you as a young person, rightly or wrongly. Wow, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, just saying. Uh, yeah. Um, no, hell no. My switch flip's totally better than my kick flip. Why is that? Uh, I don't know. My thought is that I've broken my right ankle a couple of times. Yeah. And like, so what's wrong with my front foot is that it goes and it flicks. Or like it goes to do the kickflip and then it's like done. So it just stays in this position. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It doesn't, it just, it's like, I did it. It's out of the way. It's done yeah. its job. It's like, it's I have funny. done the bare minimum yeah. and it does not go out. I think I just don't have that ligament or something maybe yeah. too. Yeah. I don't know. I, same, same. I, yeah. That's but my same switch flip, I got it. Right. Yeah, same same exact thing with me. Like I feel like mine and Ted Schmitz's formative years learning flip tricks was uh what was that, Baker two G? And Yeah, but my mom wouldn't let me watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember being a kickflip kid when I was younger and then I rolled my ankle a few times and just got lump foot, same thing you're talking about. Dude, and it just yeah, never same. has been able to flix since and then I just yeah, I watched Greco and I was like, All right, I'm a switch flip guy. Yeah, okay. Um yeah. well on that note, Ryan, it seems there's a so you mentioned Baker 2G and how great you are at Switch and Greco's <laughs> uh the, you're a Greco guy. Um notably absent from our group chat and our social media presence was your Switch frontside flip. Oh yeah, what's up? <laughs> oh, God. I don't yeah, I don't know. I wasn't able to film one. It's fucking hot out and I've been filming skating street for this stupid video we're fil finishing and it's not a stupid video. It's going to be it's going to be a, a pretty good video, but uh I just haven't had a chance to to do it. I don't know what to tell you. I did one on Ted. a vert ramp. Quit put me on blast on the podcast. I was well, injured and then the recovered, Ryan, in the yeah. time yeah. that you have not done it. My and groin is still barking. I will go I will go today and film one so that it'll come out before this episode. <laughs> um, right. I do right. another <laughs> pre-shoot okay. my new slip-on pros. What? Uh, they need to start paying me. 
it honestly felt good. Like I felt like I kind of learned it. You know when yours, you like do a trick? Yours, yours was, was the best good. one. Yeah, yeah like yours I figured was, it out. Yours I had is very good. Ground. I yours had did advantage. not look like a like a nolly backside flip going the other way. Like you just yeah, played. that was a poor description. Play it in reverse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yours looked like a like a like a Ellington switch frontside flip. Ted Barrow, meanwhile, yours was just fucking classic Carol-ish. It was just so I, good. I hated it. Oh, yours was really good. I fucking good. They, hated they it. For flat it ground, so good. They, they, you doing okay? <laughs> no, I'm, they, they call me Ted Carroll. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ryan, what are you into aside from air conditioning? Oh, I know. Yeah, I'm not into brutal heat. Um, so, yeah, we're finishing up the welcome video, and that's been really stressful. But next, uh, coming up this weekend... Welcome premiere on Saturday. Actually, it'll be, it'll be probably on Thrasher by the time this comes Seance. out. And uh, on sa- Sunday, we're taking a few kids from Skate After School to Woodward for the oh. week. And I'm really excited about that because that's like the best time of my year usually because I get to skate and there's no pressure and skate with the kids, which is a huge blast. And a lot of times the kids have never even been to California. Sometimes I've never even been to a skate park. That's and sick. so, yeah, we get to go for a full week and do nothing but skateboarding and swimming and playing dodgeball and all sorts of fun things. That's awesome. Who's going? Can you say their names? Uh, do they, do just they know? One of our volunteers. And then, yeah, we have Isaac and Gilbert and Julia. And then uh, Tim Ward is going to be driving the van. And he, he pretty much does all the legwork for it. And I kind of find the funds for it. That's so, so rad. yeah, it's going to be a good time. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it because it's been brutal out here. And uh, I feel bad complaining about it because Ted Schmitz is sitting at a valet podium in a parking lot of a restaurant. Well, Ted, what's, what, what's been new in your life? Uh, nothing's new. I'm 31 and I'm interested in the same thing that I've always been since I was 11. Um, but one thing that I am happy for or uh, that's good in skating is that uh, Yako Ohanen, uh, Jacko Ojanen, uh, I don't know how to say his name. Uh, I saw a video clip of him yesterday doing a 5 0 to a varial dolphin flip thing out as a 13 year old. Yeah, something? it was like, yeah, he said 10 years ago, and I was just like, thank fucking god you got good at skating. That is the worst fucking shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and and he is like the best, he is so fucking good at skating now. He's like such an unbelievable freak, and I was like. Not a lot of people, not a lot of people do that. A lot, like once a five zero burial flip, you know, Ted DeGroe kind of thinger, always one of those. And he just became just a magical freak. And I'm really happy that he became that. That seems like a really important point that, you know, for everything that we like dislike or hate on, um, you can't, you can't hate a thing unless you also sort of love it, right? Like you can't. Um, you can't hate on a 5-0 varial flip out without loving the fact that this person has like moved on from that trick, right? And like, I think it's really important that every time we talk shit about skateboarding on this program, we're also, um, we're celebrating everything that isn't that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Um, like I'm celebrating rollerblading, scootering, uh, <laughs> fucking radical flares on a yeah. vert ramp with a BMX bike. I'm celebrating all that shit, man. Um, uh-huh. It's all uh, love, real, though, brother. Yeah. It's all love. Uh, just you know, I'm I'm all about growth. Uh, just fucking uh, humility, um, you know. But don't even talk to me until I've had my coffee. Am I right? <laughs> am I right? 
That, 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 that young Jocko clip uh, reminds me, uh, Ted Barrow, mm. you pissed off a few people with your helmet comments yeah. last yeah. Uh, mm. two mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, um, I, I, yeah. One person? One person. Who knows? Like, no, it might no, be uh, I, no, no de- definitely a handful of people. Okay. Can, I, can I just clarify? Okay, they're good for safety. It's fine if you want to wear them, but I don't have to be into it. I'm entitled to my opinion. To clarify the point I made last week, Helmets generally look bad in videos. Like in videos, in photos are aesthetic. They are things that are appealing visually. We want to see the trick performed in its most beautiful form. Helmets, to me, in my opinion, detract from that. Um, And don't give me the argument that this is about individuality because we all started skateboarding in helmets when we were children. We all had to. We all may have chosen to. At some point, we took them off. Ryan, you mentioned that, like, you know, you got a concussion when you were younger and you skated with a helmet. That's awesome. But you don't, you're not. Uh, fil- I hated it, though. I was embarrassed by it. But you're also, I, know, I don't know why. You're not but, filming yeah. the welcome video with your helmet, you know, like, uh, and you could very well, just as easily get a concussion. The other fact remains is that actually head trauma in skateboarding is super low. Like, yes. like no one, like, like that's just the thing. But like, again, if you want to skate in a helmet, that's cool. My point that I make satirically on my page is like, I don't want to look at fucking helmet footage because the people that send me helmet footage are people that like often are like 12 year old kids who don't get my account and like 40 year old dudes who like just started skating after Dogtown and the Z boys. And I just don't like, I don't, <laughs> I don't need to put it on my account. It's my page. It's not skateboarding. Sure. Um, Two last things, and I don't want to speak for everyone here because I never am speaking for anyone here. Um, it's a double-edged sword. Like, I, I, it's weird that people like rejoice that we're not some bland nine club copy, and then start grousing when we express our individual opinions. Who's and, who's us? The Vent City. Us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Like, and then yeah. the last one is that like there isn't a monolithic position that we take here. Like, the whole point is that we can disagree about shit as skateboarders as like people on this podcast and not be disagreeable the danger of this that i respect like uh, rhetorically i respect the logic of this is that like well okay uh, i mean part of this is about shame like a part a a lot of what skateboarding is is this sort of um inculcation into a set of values and generally those values have been distributed by a certain type of person. And so when people like us have this podcast and we have a conversation and we say things like, yeah, I don't like helmet footage. It's very, very easy for listeners to think, oh, well, this is familiar. This is the same shit that's been going on forever. And to say like, well, this is frankly, like part of toxic masculinity is like disregard for safety, like shaming people who choose safety over fashion or aesthetics. Um, And I think that's it. I think that's a valid point. Yeah, that that was like uh, my my main curiosity with it and just like self-reflecting. And as somebody that works with children that runs an organization that requires helmets for our participants, you know, I'm just curious, like, why don't we like, I, and I, I think it's an individual choice. And for me personally, it's very much what Kyle said. Like, I remember wearing one when I was 12 and going out of the skate park. And then it was like, when I turned maybe like 13, all of a sudden it was like very 
obvious that it was like not cool to wear one and I remember like I'd have to wear my helmet down to the park because my dad would maybe be like driving yep. around you know what I mean and I would have to have That's my helmet insane. like close to me and then like my dad would roll by like I would see his like red Honda I'd be like oh shit like throw my helmet on you know like to make sure I didn't get in trouble with my dad and I think maybe by the time I was 15 or 16 my parents had given up at that point trying to like enforce that because you know, for the most part, I was a pretty good kid, you know what I mean? And there was like a couple <laughs> things they were, you know, kind of gonna let me slide on. Um, and no, I mean, yeah, I just think it's interesting. Um, I would also- yeah. The real badasses I think, don't clip. I think it's also, yeah, it's totally valid. Obviously like, it's also, you're more likely to fall on your head when you are a 10 to 13, you're eight to 13, you know, just because like your balance isn't there and you don't quite know how to fall on your- Head is kind of a different proportion. Disproportionately. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've hit my head like the, a bunch. The last two okay. years, I've actually like probably been concussed like oh. more than I ever have. But that's just me. Damn. I, 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 it's very rare. I've never hit my head and I'm knocking on my wooden head for right now. But um, I also, <laughs> it, and I hate to always be like the one, well, in 1995, but seriously. You're the uh, oldest, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be that guy. By far. Yeah. He's way older than me. Are we talking about the first time I saw the Lion King? No, X Games. <laughs> okay, okay. Are we talking about when I was born? There's, part, part of it is uh, like X Games came out in 1995 and they were wearing Jamie helmets. Thomas down the 16th. It was mainstream all of a sudden. Yeah. And helmets were associated with mainstream for me. And it was. I'm not trying to, I don't think I'm being like a toxic bro when I'm saying like, it's mainstream and I'm sort of just automatically n not stoked on that. You know, it's yeah. not, but th yeah, that I, to me, that's like helmets are safe and you find them in skate parks and I don't like skate park footage, big fucking shock. Uh, yeah. And so like <laughs> skate park footage and helmets is like, uh, like the bottom of the barrel for me. Tough shit, you know, fucking deal with it. <laughs> God damn Ryan, it. Ryan, go. Yeah, no, yeah, I I was just going to echo what Kristen said in that, like, you know, I got a concussion early on and I used to wear a helmet. My parents bought me a, yellow, a bright yellow helmet Aww, a la Andy Mack. That's a fucking dope move. And did the same thing, like, put it on, but then would, like, hide it when I was at the park because I was ashamed and embarrassed to wear a skate park because guys like Ted would bully me. I... And, oh. No, me. It no, was no, me. I'm just Tesh kidding. Mets, I'm just Tesh kidding. Mets. No, yeah, I was there. <laughs> I was, I was the flyout kid bullying him, like, why are you alling onto that ledge? Use these ramps. <laughs> Backside pulling don't, out. Don't bring, no, your, I, don't bring I think, your helmet to the loading dock. You know, like, <laughs> I'm, I don't want to co sign things that are just unnecessarily dangerous because I, I know the feel. I don't know if y'all can relate to this, but like, you ever get the feeling when people are skating one of those, like, chain, uh, over a chain off a of loading dock spots that you're just like, this is. This is just too much, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, it's yeah. just unnecessarily dangerous. And But I do think that there's something to be said that, like, yeah, you get older and you usually can cannot fall, learn to not fall with hitting your head. But it's different for transition skaters. And you also don't want to discount the people who have had serious head injuries, you know? But, you know, I, and another important distinction, too, is that, like, I think the, the lasting influence that skateboarding has had is because we have this distinction from other cultures like snowboarding and uh, BMX biking and things like that, that skateboarding is very uh, influenced by fashion. And so, and part of that is that we film in our regular clothes that we wear out and there's no, um, I don't know, we, we don't have anything that's kind of like uh, disguising the, the clothes we're wearing. Yeah. So 
I think that that's an important factor. Uh, I just wanted to add, like, for me, there's kind of, like, another layer to this all, just being a woman, and it's basically that, like, my whole life I was told to be careful and not, like, straight up my dad has said, like, don't wreck your pretty face. My dad told me, like, skateboarding, nobody would ever marry me because, like, my, my, uh, my shins had too many gashes in them. Like, these are things that, like, I heard my whole life, right? Um, and... Like, yeah, women should be seen. Like, I don't know, just all that stuff, like all that toxic stuff. So for me as an adult, like I think why I don't wear the one is like all like related to when I started skating and that culture that I adopted and I got used to not wearing one. But now as an adult, I'm like, well, like I'm just as good as a lot of guys. Why should I have to wear one? Like, I don't want to wear one right. um, because like I don't, I think I'm just as good as them and I think I can handle myself just as well and I don't need to be more careful or like, you know, more mature all the time. I can be just like every other skater or your average skater. I don't want to adopt the, the language of social justice for something that's totally irrelevant, but I'm going to do it anyways. It's incredibly exclusive to people who just have small heads. <laughs> um, I I have a very hard time. My my head, the what's the rounded part? Is that the circumference? Mm -hmm. the, 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 I have to buy hats that are six inches and a quarter. So it's like, so maybe that has to do with the dissimeter. I don't know. Um, that's a word. That's not a word. You know that's, what a word. Pretty, that's pretty close you know what to I a word. most about you, Ted? No. You have a chip what? on your shoulder that's the size of your head, and it's small. <laughs> <laughs> it's a modest chip. But no, no, no. Seriously, like, I growing up, my helmets had, like, huge margins between the sides of my head and the cushion. And so it's like, they, they just don't make helmets for my head. It's almost certain that like with biking and like with snowboarding, the helmet will be destigmatized in skateboarding in the next 10 years, right? Like it's there, we've got, you know. I do not think so. Oh, I, I think absolutely. I think, I think it is absolutely true. I think that it, it's I going like it to happen. And, and I think, the, I think the fact is, is that like, that's going to be okay. And like, it's going to happen. And also there are going to be market forces behind that, right? Like anything that is an additional $50 item that you can sell to a skateboarder is going to be marketed and it's going to be pushed and it's going to happen. It's going to be fine, I but I'm told not, you it's classist. I'm not going to wear a helmet. I think so at all. I don't, yeah. I, I'm, all. I'm a, I don't think that's going to happen at all. I think, I think the, we're going to have less clothes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be all compression tights. Legal, we're gonna be wearing barefoot. The yeah, we're gonna be is getting hotter. So yeah, and this is oh, uh, also helmets are fucking plastic. We're gonna be wearing compression onesies like bobsledders. Uh, I think. Pucks. Well, I think if if we're gonna if we're gonna say that like these YouTubers, you I want to say this in as old a voice as possible. These YouTubers, <laughs> like if they have influence, which they fucking do. It, the fact remains that these a lot of these YouTubers are wearing helmets and like a lot of kids in contests are wearing helmets and a lot of kids at the park are wearing helmets and my dirty looks don't seem to affect them. And so what I'm saying is, is that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And no matter what the fuck we say about it, it it's it's their thing. I, and that's it. I, I don't yeah. think that there's going to be this great crossover between what those guys are doing and what this street type of street skateboarding that we're interested in is yeah. like that's just not gonna happen i think i think They're... skateboarding always has like always been sexy like it sexy has been redefined like over generations yeah. but like helmets are never fucking sexy bullshit dude if quarter snacks put out a helmet it would it would change the world they wouldn't and you're wrong 
I yeah, don't know. They, exactly. They just wouldn't because people want to see people skateboarding in their normal clothes. You say like, that, man. You say you come on. We know how quickly fashion changes. Like we're wearing yeah, but, clunky ass shoes again. Yeah, but like, we're what's also that? We're, we're also skating oh, skateboards that have. No, I wear a sleek slip on pro. <laughs> and it's thin and it gives you a lot of board yeah. feel. <laughs> I think none of us are wearing clunky shoes, but we're also well, skating skateboards that haven't evolved for three decades. You know? Yeah, yeah. And the whole yeah. point the next, about well, the next now they have batteries, so they're they're getting oh, yeah. there. <laughs> besides, I bomb up hills. Yeah, besides the lithium batteries <laughs> and the engineering. Better charge. The irony of this conversation is that I, for the last three years, have been skating with a giant clunky Donjoy knee brace that is much more grotesque than a helmet, but I just disguise it under my pants. Is that You're really lucky baggies nice in right yeah, now. Yeah, what if what would you do if like Chris Haslam like tight like like flare jeans were in, Ryan? Ryan would start Pigwood again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does make me think of Preston Harper, right? I mean, like for years I kept thinking like why is Preston wearing one elbow guard? Like, oh, I wish he didn't. That's such that a actually dope looks move. gross, though. Honestly, right? No, it does. And this is, I mean, this is back me. to no. Ted's okay. point. This is like Ted Barrow's whole point: is that like it lo- it it distracts you. Like I don't yes. want to see the asymmetry of one elbow pad. It's like yeah, Ted. Oh, are you anti wrist guard? Oh, he's gone. Ted, we lost Ted Barrow. <laughs> oh, well, I'll speak for the Ted position. Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah, we're anti wrist guard. My shit fucking broke so bad. They took a little piece from my hip and they put it in here and they were like, take care of that thing. And I said, fuck you, orthopedic surgeon. You don't own my life. You don't own my body. My dad paid for this surgery. Fuck you. (laughs) Do you have a scaphoid injury? Yes, I did. It was broken for three years and I didn't know. And it got really bad. Dude, does your wrist do this weird thing where you think you broke it again for like a day and then it's like totally fine? Yes, except I think it just is. I don't know if mine's but either perpetually broken or I've lost so. nerves. I have really horrible health insurance. No, I have but the cheapest one. I mean, can I let me clarify another thing too is like Ryan wearing a knee brace is like very different or like someone wearing an ankle brace or even wearing an elbow pad uh, is very different from like a helmet from, to me. Like <laughs> What if you've well, been concussed I, a lot? I will no that, that's that's a, that's an individual case and or that's like a different thing, but I I still think, and this is, again, coming from personal experience, like, I wore an ankle brace for years until it literally disintegrated, and then I realized, and it was like, I wore it out of fear because I didn't want to hurt my ankle again, mm-hmm. and I would sprain my, okay. sprain my ankle every four months, and then I stopped wearing it because it broke, the ankle brace, not the ankle, and all of a sudden, I felt, like, unimpeded and free. And I, and You're I like th- Forrest Gump in that scene where the braces <laughs> come off? I'm like Forrest <laughs> Gump in most... <laughs> most respects dude you've seen a lot of american history then yeah i was actually kind of at the at the middle of most of those um most things in the 20th <laughs> those century those events yeah. yeah but but i just mean that like it, for me and it doesn't uh, this is only me skateboarding is <laughs> best when it's most like when you just have the least attachments to things you know yeah, yeah i mean that, there's a reason that i don't like you know it's 104 degrees out and we've been skating for the last couple of weeks and I used to skate in shorts and I just never do anymore because I know people don't want to see footage of me skating with a knee brace because it's distracting and it makes people feel a little weak when like that's the way that I feel when I see people skating in knee braces. Hmm. So It makes them feel weak like in the stomach? Like we're concerned? Like because no, you look no, fragile? It's like, it's, it, yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. d- it's distracting in a way that you're like, ah, I feel bad for, you know, their knee. 
I don't know. But also, I'll I'll cop the feeling that about Ryan Reyes, like when he came back, I was sort of like, ooh, dude, are you sure? Like, eh. Sure. Yeah, it it makes you look more, I don't know, delicate, but not in a, I don't know. Yeah, but then when you do. Or fragile. Yeah, but but then when you do drop the hammer, you're like, oh, damn, that's double gnarly. Like, no, I think I I know what Ryan's saying. I think I agree. Because I even started feeling like when I started seeing Ry Ray uh, skate with a knee brace, I was like, oh, damn, he's like not, he's, he's, he's like skating at 60% now. Right, In my it's head. over. Even, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, that, and that's a terrible way to think, but that's like the burden of like a professional skateboarder. That, um, yeah. yeah, what is that? It's, it's so weird. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, there's like this sort of weird um, idea that we have that like when we're skating, we're superhuman. And I think you have to sort of, to be able to have a really good skate or do something you've never done before you have to sort of have that mentality kind of yeah, and then we feel that way when we like project that on our peers when we watch them and mm-hmm. um yeah that's such an interesting thing and for a long time i've been like why don't skate like i remember maybe in was it in slap when it was in print but it had or was it skateboarder i can't remember Not one of me on slap i will <laughs> it was it was the thing where there was like the body and it had like all the injuries that the person had had. Oh, the yeah. anatomy, yeah, that was yeah. skateboarder. I yeah. I loved that personally, but I felt like people maybe because it's never been adopted really in any other print publication that I've seen, or you know, it's yeah. very rare that we actually talk about our injuries. And yeah. I mean, there's skaters out there that literally have gone through like some of the gnarliest like surgeries and crazy bodily yeah. things. I don't know, like David Gravett, for example. Um, has had a lot of stuff with his hips and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. there's like this I sort do. of superhuman vibe that we just buy into, you know? Yeah. I do think that we we love a good comeback story, but that's different than like experiencing skating in the moment. Yeah. So like when we're watching a skater, we don't want to see them. We want to see them as superhuman, but we love the great comeback story. And it's funny, the, the Ray Ray case, you said he was like skating at 60% or whatever when he's probably feeling great. I know, because totally. I, I mean, know. Yeah, weird- but it's funny because it, it can work both ways, yeah. right? And you're like, it's the injury equivalent of like, oh, this is throwaway footy. You're like, right. yeah, I got a knee brace on, but so let's see what I'm capable Where, of whereas, uh, once like, this thing's fully whereas, healed. Whereas like Danny Way doing anything like when his body's been like reconstructed, like for me is like always like the most impressively gnarly thing for some strange reason. But here's a weird thing. I was just thinking about this. Like I used to like hate my G.I. Joes when they would like their thumb would break off from the grip or whatever or like. I and I remember before. How were you putting in their hands? Um, like I don't want to get into that right now. <laughs> um, yeah, they'd be covered. But they're in defective shit at that point. Just, no, uh, <laughs> no uh, and I remember like having this also weird thing where, and this is rooted in my discomfort with this, where like I wouldn't want to see the protagonist of a film like lose an arm or get really fucked up like diehard movies really bothered me because i was like ah he's just like he's getting fucked up like he's not gonna right once he it. stepped on the glass it was yeah. like oh fuck like yeah 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 i share that with you that's an interesting thing because there's something about like i mean w- what that is is pathos right our connection yeah. to the character we're seeing on the screen by way of this sort of um sympathy and and there is a very very easy way that we can go overboard and we can like a writer or a teller of stories can go too far and that what the result is a kind of repulsion. And I think, and I don't know that this is, you know, a door we want to open right now. Um, but I think there's something about that and sexism that really, really ties into the phenomenon that I think Nigel Houston represented so well when he like spoke for a lot of dudes, when he said like, I can't stand watching women fall. 
Yeah. And I think that phenomenon is one that having now escaped it and like achieved a place where I'm really stoked to see women fall, I think is a is a real kind of I don't know. It's a real kind of litmus for like, do you see the person on screen as an actual human being or do you see them as somehow um, restrained or less than somehow? And I I'm, think that injury is a big, a big kind of analog to that sort of thing. Like, oh, no, I hope this person doesn't get hurt. When in fact, like, no, this person's just like you going to bounce back and going to be OK. Uh, Alexis Sablone interview. Wearing lots of hats and helmets. No, no helmets. Lots of hats and beanies in every photo. God, she's rad. God, this interview is so rad. I, yeah. It's so good. Yeah, so Alyssa Steamer did this interview of Alexis Sablone and Thrasher, and uh, there's a lot of really, really good elements in it. Kyle, you want to go first? Yeah, man. I mean, I think, you know, aside from just being like, I don't, I, I think I spoke of this last week. I don't know if that turned into premium content or what, but like, I, I have never... Since Mike Carroll, I haven't been a skater fan in the way I am of Alexis Sablone, like currently. I just, I, I stand her so completely hard. Um, and so it was rad to read this. It was rad to read uh, the dialogue between her and Alyssa. Um, but I think the thing that really, like, I mean, among the really salient and good points that are in this interview, I think the thing that was super compelling to me in terms of our conversations is this question of, like, Look, Alexis isn't just a skateboarder. Um, and I think everyone everyone comes to a point where they either realize like, oh, I, I can't just do this with my life. Or they kind of ruefully look back and think like, oh, geez, I've only done this one thing. I, I've lost any sort of training or I, I, I spent all the time that I could have been learning to do other things or could have developed other skills or could have pursued other interests. I've devoted all of my life to this one thing um, that is skateboarding. And so I'm, I'm, I'm super curious. Um, I really just want to ask each of you, like, does the stuff that Alexis says in here about like, no, I can't just skate. If I only skated, that would be boring. Um, I, I kind of would just love to hear how each of us sort of thinks about, first of all, that statement, like, do you agree? Like if you just skateboarded, would that be a kind of fantasy utopic life or would you be bored? That's question A and question B is like, okay, well then if, if you would be bored, what, what is skateboarding in your life? Like what, how do you think of it and uh, how do you compartmentalize? it and has it changed where are you with it that's 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 sort of my interest and i guess the person i'm, I'm kind of most curious about that uh is for you ryan like particularly where you stand in in this career as a professional like how do you think about skateboarding right now yeah i mean this in, this interview resonated with me for a lot of reasons i mean one i know alexis personally and and kind of have seen her at different points on her path like she was living in new york i think right before uh, when i was right before she went to mit and you know like just somehow just magically picked up skateboarding again i i guess she was skating the whole time but um yeah i mean this is something that i've dealt with a lot in my career and really have only had like a year or so that I only skated and didn't really do much else. I, I've often found that like the people in the industry that are I'm most attracted to are the people who are like the writers and photographers and filmers and um, people doing uh, design stuff. And um, I don't know. Yeah, a, lo a lot of this interview uh, I thought was really great. But um, 
I don't know. I just I just was kind of mesmerized by how how easily she was able to just kind of jump in and out of of the industry and yeah. also like technical ability because that's that's something that I think that is is unspoken about this is that like it's really hard to just step out of the game for a few years and then just jump back into it at such a high level and yeah. it looks like she's not slowing down at all. Um, Kristen, you you're you're an organizer. You yeah. run organizations. Um, is 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 skateboarding like secondary to that, or do you find it to be kind of um, that it percolates through everything that you do? I definitely think it percolates through everything. I'm obsessed with skateboarding. Um, I guess um, for me in my life, every time I've really tried to like go for it or intentionally been like, okay, I'm gonna work really hard and I'm just gonna be a really good skater and I'm gonna like get sponsored and like I'm gonna do this. Either there weren't opportunities at all for me just being a woman and then the other side of it was that I would just get hurt (laughs) so one of the two things would a door would shut in my face or I'd shut my own door by focusing my ankle um so I kind of got to a point where I don't know man I don't know what you believe in spiritually but for me I feel like there's certain things that we're supposed to do in our limited time on earth and um for me it was organizing and building community and as soon as I started to focus on that, skateboarding became so much more enjoyable. Even though a lot of what I do is all skateboarding related, um, when I teach a program or like help teach somebody how to do something, or I'm, you know, um, doing like a, some type of leadership training or facilitation there, or I'm behind my computer, I'm writing a grant. Like it's all related to skateboarding. If I'm going on tour with my band, I'm literally just googling what skate parks I can go to, um, or like skating at every rest stop we go to. Um, it sounds really corny that I'm obsessed with skateboarding, but that's honest truth. Um, I just, awesome. uh, yeah. for whatever reason, anytime I've tried to really put my my heart and soul into, you know, doing something in skateboarding that's for only selfish reasons, I that's just not me, and it just hasn't um, hasn't been there for me in that way. So, my relationship no. to skateboarding is something I like to do for fun, but um, was it's there not a po- fun if it's my only thing, I guess. Was there a point that you like felt something click over and you chilled out, like? I'm, I, I guess one of the reasons I'm asking all this is because it just blows my mind that there are kids out there who think of getting sponsored or making skateboarding like their life path, right? Like that yeah. just, it seems to me to be, the odds are actually worse than the NBA at this point, right? Like it's just an outrageous um, odds stacked against you that you're going to be one of the few that ends up making money skateboarding. Um, so yeah. was there a point for you where you just kind of like clicked over and you were like, okay, this isn't going to be w- what I dream it would be? Well, I looked at people like Alyssa Steamer that were like my favorites or Alexis Sablone. I mean, that was one of the first videos I ever had was PJ Ladd. Yeah. And I didn't see them able to even make careers. And I wasn't able to nolly heel off a drop or crook a rail, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I kind of, like, you know, looked at what I was able to do and said to myself, like, it's not happening. Yeah. And, yeah, maybe if I was uh, 17 right now with the tricks I could do when I was 17 and seeing the opportunities that there are now with the Olympics and competitive skating and people getting sponsored that are women, like, um, you know, maybe I would have gone for it a little bit more. But I think it was, like I said, a mixture of uh, – yeah, it was a mixture yeah. of lack of opportunity and trying to navigate that. And I had to kind of figure out how am I going to make an opportunity for myself in skateboarding? Because I knew I wanted to be somebody. Like I knew I wanted to change something and, you know, um, not just be a nobody, like not just be just random 
girl that skates on the side and works at Amazon. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I wanted to do something in skating and I kind of, yeah, I would say I clicked over. Like maybe when I was, maybe when I graduated from college, I think at that point I was like, or maybe when I decided to go to college, actually, yeah. I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to make it as a skater and I'm going to do skating as something. And then after college, I realized I'm going to be somebody in skating. I'm going to build an organization. I'm going to start Wheels of Fortune. Like those are the types of things I started to decide to do. Yeah. Organizing girls tours, whatever. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting to hear you say that, Kristen, because I never really even thought of skating as a career. I just you know, this is going to sound incredibly jock, but like my driving force was just clout. Like I wanted to be the best kid in my junior high and I wanted to be the best kid in high school. And then I wanted to get sponsored, but I wasn't ever, you know, like my parents just took care of me. So I didn't have any material needs and I just wanted to get free stuff and to be able to, I don't know, like be sponsored in the same, yeah, be seen, be in videos and go to premieres. And like, I got a little taste of that and I got, probably too much of that too soon and i was writing for deluxe early on it's funny because i've had a conversation with jim uh t a after we had kind of talked about this a few episodes ago but i at various points in my career have like intentionally just tanked my whole career and quit all my sponsors <laughs> and like burnt every bridge and uh yeah so i did that from like 18 to 20 went to school for a couple of years then got, you know, Matt Price got some opportunities back in the industry and basically asked me to ride for iPath. And so I did that for a few years and I was like, yeah, like I want to be a pro skater. Like, and at that point I did have material needs that, you know, like my parents weren't taking care of me anymore. And I was, um, food stamp pro. Yeah. So, you know, I, I spent a few years like really chasing that got burnt out again, tanked myself and then decided that I was, gonna go back to school. I spent a couple of years going back to school and uh, decided to write for Welcome. But I think similar to you, Kristen, is like I was always interested, I, I think I realized this in my mid-20s that I was like, I'm more interested in what's happening on the peripheries of skating. You know, obviously that's the reason why we're doing this podcast, but you, like I just realized that competing with myself and against other top pros, it's like, it's really stressful. I, some people can manage that stress better than me, but I know that like, you know, the last couple of video parts I've filmed and like skating with some of the best skaters in the industry, it's just, and it's pointless and stupid to compare yourself to skaters because it's not, uh, it's not quantifiable, but yeah, I just, I just realized I was like, I can't, I can't handle this stress. I still feel that way, you know, but, um, what's, what's this, where does the stress come from? If you want to share that, uh, I'm just this. Yeah, like, what are the thoughts that keep you up at night or float uh, through your head? Well, I mean, the older you get, you have just kind of like financial stress, which is that like sometimes you don't have contracts or if you do have contracts, they're getting renewed on like yearly basis. So that becomes really troubling, uh, kind of planning your life. And then I think a really underestimated uh, element to pro skateboarding is like it's all about building your own brand. And it's really like a incredibly self-absorbed self-obsessed <laughs> career path and that started to weigh on me where it's just like yeah literally like my whole existence on a skateboard is just to sell product for people and if i can't do that then i don't really have a place in skateboarding and so um yeah i don't know that part is really stressful but mostly just competing with yourself and competing with with the imaginary kind of tournament that you're in. I mean, I don't do actual competitions, but 
you know, when you film a video part in a big team video, you feel the stress of like, am I going to be able to hang with Chris Joslin or <laughs> whoever in this video? Like some of, you know, some sometimes my favorite skaters, you know? And so uh, that that becomes really troubling. And then for me, you know, like not wanting to, to live in California made things a little more difficult for me because there's not much of an industry here. So it's kind of, you kind of have to piecemeal it together. Ted Barrow, you had ambitions uh, for skateboarding. Like, like I feel like Wait. you're pretty forthright with the fact that there was a time when your goal was to kind of get into the, in is that accurate or am I, no, am I, don't I think conflating? I, uh, there was a time when I was like, 14 when I wanted to be the best kid in my town, but I wasn't and It bummed me out and I quit and then I realized I missed it. So I started again No, there I think similar like to a lot of people, but um, I definitely relate to what Kristen was saying is that I Think after high school my plan was to move to California and I was skating pretty well So I was like I could probably get like some kind of shitty sponsor like move to San Diego or Santa Barbara or something You know shorties flow the hardware, not the board company. And, right. uh, and like, and then I just shattered my ankle skating one, one night and was like, shit, what else am I going to do? I'm going to go to college. But I always went back and forth. Like, I think I probably like everyone, but I suffer, have always suffered from kind of like a profound insecurity and being an only child, I compared myself to other people quite a lot. And so, you know, I, when, when you start skateboarding, you're like, am I as good as that person? Like, what can they do that I can't? Like, you know, and, and there's a little moment where I felt really special, you know, 10 to 12, very special. 12 years old, I met Zach Martin. He's 10 and he was 10 times better than me. And it was great. Like, I, I was actually kind of honored to skate with this, like, young, amazing skateboarder. And it also yeah. took the pressure off me considerably. And so I bought into that whole, like, skate for fun, like, skate and create, whatever, like, ethos. Uh, hook, line, and sinker when I was a kid, part of me always wanted to be the good skater, but no, I mean, yeah. I, 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 there was not, there were, I've been around skateboarding and you know, like I've been in skateboarding, but I've never worked in skateboarding and I was never really fully sponsored and that's been okay with me. I've gotten a really lucky ride just to let it be the like destabilizing seductive escape that it has been in my life for three fucking decades yeah the escape is the important part you know yeah i mean it's at it's obviously now much more in my life than i ever would have imagined and i'm so grateful for it you know right, the right, good and the right. bad of it but um it's i think part of the reason at least for me is is that i just did kind of know that i was average and i was never gonna if I put myself under that pressure, like maybe I could, I remember once I was in San Francisco and like, uh, Anthony Clarival was there and he was like, dude, are you going to switch backside tailside hubba? And, <laughs> and I was like, I was, I was like, I probably could. Cause I literally just switched backside tail slid like the big block at third and army, which is about the size of hubba. If you like kind of, what the hell? Damn, Ted, not the, not the like, dude, you know what, what I'm talking about? Like the <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ledge on the bottom side by the pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's a tall ledge, though. 
Ryan saying that's a tall ledge, but he switched back tailed that when he was 18. Well, I, I probably did. <laughs> that's a huge ledge. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I mean, you know, I, I had that trick, and I could do it on the courthouse stage and shit. And I just remember sort of being like, Damn. I could do Large. this. I could, I could probably do it down Hubba, but I'm not even sponsored, dude. I ride for Hot Rod. You know, like, I'm. why would I yeah. risk my trip? I, this is the beginning of my spring break, and I, if I hurt myself, then I'd wouldn't be able to skate the Trekkie bowl, you know? So let me ask you this, Ted, did you, did you like slot yourself into some sort of hierarchy at, at hot rod? Because like, you know, like Tim Bruns, did you think you were like, did you yeah. think of Tim Bruns as someone you were competitive with? Or no, was I, he I, just I, like, I thought of Tim Bruns as someone I was lucky enough to skate with. Like, I was just like, damn, I've, I've have fooled them. Um, like, <laughs> they, like they think I'm good. Like this is right, crazy. Right. You know? Right. Um, and you want to know some crazy shit. So I was like two years older than them. I think, and for some weird reason, and I was in my mid fucking twenties. If I was twenty four, I would tell I would tell them I was twenty three. What huh. an arbitrary yeah. like identity I, I chose there. Like, like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Like I was just like, ah, I'm not actually twenty four. You know, I'm. I'm that's funny because that comes up in the Alexis and Alyssa interview also, yeah, right? Yeah, Where yeah. like the cop is like, <laughs> she like says she's twenty nine yeah, for some yeah, reason. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I think honestly, <laughs> the, a good lead in question. I mean, I like this conversation about Alexis's interview. Was what aspect of Alexis do you most admire <laughs> or something? Yeah. Like, I was so. I was just like, I loved hearing her describe like sneaking over the fence in Riverside Park and skating alone by herself at 3 a.m. And like, just that devotion, like she, you know, she's a Finnegan's Wake person, you know, like she's like (laughs) type A as fuck. And it's just so impressive to like, I'm not like that, but it's just like, wow, what what an amazing human being. Well, I wanna, I wanna, I mean, mean, at the risk of, you know, making this, you know, a sort of systematic conversation, I really do wanna ask Ted Smith Ted Schmitz the same question because the fact is is that anyone who has skated with Ted Schmitz um, has had the experience I had which is like this weird sort of you stand there agog like what is this dude up to Um, Ted Ted (laughs) Schmitz is very exceptionally good at skateboarding and also uh, seems to have an interesting relationship to it like Ted, you seem to always be having a whole lot of fun, um, and yet you also just have this like weird recklessness about it. Um, and I can't imagine that it's going to survive your thirties. So I'm really curious, like at this point, like what <laughs> Ted, is Ted what is, rips his shirt off? Right. Like, All right, <laughs> this show is fucking canceled. Like, what is what do you think? Like, how do you think of skateboarding right now? Like, it, it, you know, obviously you're you're working part time jobs. You're you're skating in the middle of the night, uh, clear coating weird sort of non curbs. Like how do you, do you think about your relationship to it or is to think about your relationship to it? Um, somehow beside the point for you. This is incredibly patronizing. I actually saw myself on the road to sponsorship as of four minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You just uh, exposed his name. Van slip ons. So, um, no, um, I did just, I literally almost like kiboshed my whole like Vans thing. Um, my friend Neil was kind enough to, to pass my address along. To Shout out Neil, it. Patreon supporter. What up, Neil? Neil, Sh- Neil Shoemaker, who designs shoes. Uh, <laughs> wow. So good. Literally in the name. Anyways, um, like literally got a box of, uh, a generous box of Vans shoes. And I was like, I was like, man, uh, this is like, this is exactly the, 
the kick I needed to really step my game up so that I can actually get on the AM squad. And I don't think the like sarcasm translated over text. <laughs> and so I just looked like super delusional. <laughs> uh, and I had to sound like one of those like JKs. Uh. Um, then it I makes can, you no, seem I can like tell extra you about, thirsty. Uh, what like, skating is for me. Um, I mean, there's a clip of me when I was uh, 11 or 12. My friend, you know, playing with a high eight camera, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, oh, pro skater. And like, I don't even like it. Was, I think I may have said like Peter Smolik or something like really weird. And uh, and I've tried to track that clip down. I can't find it. Um, but yeah, uh, right, like right off the bat, dude, I mean, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater came out really soon into when I was skating. You know, like I said, I got my first board Christmas in 99, stepped on a skateboard for the first time in 1990, uh, like summer of 98 or something. So it's like, you know, uh, I knew that skating could be a kind of, life or or could be a job or something um and i i abandoned aspirations of proness probably around 16 or 17 when i was living in las vegas and kind of finding a, a, a i i i found like an authentic relationship to skateboarders or to skateboarding with my friends who were just like dude they 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 cast all the rules out like they would skate with like BMX dudes if if they could get to the pools and shit like they had this really like sort of community aspect to skating and and I saw it as a as a as a and and I met older guys who were 40s and 50s who had skated with Kenny Reed um Kenny Anderson and um anyways yeah I just saw it as this this other thing that it's like the the central aspect was fun um but what has always corrupted the experience of skateboarding for me is my um uh, it's super sad. Like I get meaning through performance. Um, I, I get a sort of sense of myself through having people laugh and from having people, um, be surprised and shocked at what I can do. Yeah. Um, and, and I have not found another, um, I, another way to feel valuable other than through, through that you know like when i go to the indoor park and it is tuesday i'm going to the indoor park yeah i legitimately fly off the fucking walls yeah like i legitimately go from quarter pipe to wall to quarter pipe yeah like of just and and part of me just loves the sort of organic experience of being outside of my brain and having to think about the things that kind of really bring me down, which are the part-time jobs, which are the sort of mundane day-to-day -day realities of being in my thirties, knowing that this, that the life that I had made myself is fleeting. Um, and, but, but for real skateboarding is, uh, both, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's both my escape and a trap. Um, uh -huh. and, but what's odd, though, is, you know, speaking as someone who's known you for 15 plus years, is that we basically have similar skill level. I know you'll argue with that, but you you are such a performer, but never were able to, like, manipulate it in the way to get sponsored in the way that, like, I was like, oh, I got this whole thing figured out. You just, like, film with these guys and shoot photos with these guys. And usually people who are, like, very performance oriented or minded, they they know how to work the system. But you're like a, a kind of like in the moment performer, yeah. and it stops there because you never. I mean, you film like you're more of an improv guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no. And I was an improv guy, which is like not a good guy to be. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, also the Improving performance your aspect has has yeah, like, like also 
it's also prompted me to do some pretty abhorrent things that, you know, I really regret in retrospect, which is just like, I just want to like wow people or shock them or, um, and it's like, you know, like fucking, I just remember I walked up to one of my friends one time. They were just eating a sandwich. I just fucked and knocked it out of his hand because I thought my other friend walking behind me would think it was funny. That is funny. Like just a, that is funny. That's right. Fucking, I would just say, and then, you know, like whatever I would say other, just dumb shit that I, that I really regret. Um, just in the hopes of, making somebody respond um and and so um i never understood until later um what i was doing it was yeah it's always just been in the moment hey guys do you think this is funny will you film me yeah i want your approval yeah um and but now it's just now for me i skate for my friend tim to fucking laugh dude yeah yeah you know yeah that's it yeah i i guess all of this for me is just like an incredibly interesting sort of counterpoint or follow-up to hearing aram speak last episode yeah um and you know i i think all of us were moved to varying degrees by hearing um (laughs) what skateboarding is for him or has been for him um and so i appreciate i appreciate the honesty to kind of talk about this stuff because uh, you know, like Jenkum just put out a, an interview with uh, an agent and it was a really, really well done interview. Alexis Castro did it and props to him for doing the interview the way he did. It. And he got into he got they got into some really, really interesting territory with it. However, there's a part of this that I think is just really um preposterous in the idea that like, hey, here's how you go about getting an agent if you're a skateboarder. It's like, what the fuck are we talking about? Like. Yeah, you have to be at a certain... Yeah, but th- there are 10 of them, right? There are 12, yeah. to, 12 to 20 skateboarders in the US. I mean, it just seems um, so rarefied and so unlikely a position to find yourself in that I think maybe talking about uh, each of our sort of experiences is maybe a little bit more yeah. um, applicable. So- well, it's just funny, like which skater would like read Jankum but also like need an agent <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting question no, but, but I, I mean I, but they're selling the a dream yeah. part yeah, of it me. is a dream right like the idea that like well maybe like maybe and, and that's part of like what the idea was like here's how to get sponsored was always a thing that I remember reading and like like part of my t- totally unrealistic dream for whatever was like a week was like well I gotta put together a sponsor me tape in yeah. Missouri at age 12 right like part of skateboarding is this sort of dream of it becoming something else until there is a moment when you click over and you realize like, oh, actually what I've been doing is the dream itself. Like, yeah. this is it. It's not, that's it's exactly, not a means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, no, that's that's a good point. That's something that I've been saying a lot is that the the the, the dream we have of, of, the, of the leisure-filled life of the pro skater is actually not the dream because of all the restraints that are put around them, all the expectations to be productive at an A-plus level, and that actually what the dream is is, is being there, doing the skating, with your friends community um and and being sort of in that whether it's a bubble of escape or of like just genuine moment of connection with your peers it's that is completely the dream yeah. and we would the culture needs to recalibrate its sense of uh what what the dream of skateboarding is and what yeah. it delivers i mean i yeah. think i think it's sort of something that like whether we intend to or not 90% of skateboarders or the people who skate do end up coming to that conclusion if they stay skateboarding 
long enough. You know, if you stay skateboarding right. past the like yes. ra- raging storm of like your teenage years, you're going to appreciate it as an adult with some maturity and 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 hopefully be able to like separate it from your life, but also incorporate it in your life in the ways. I mean, I think Kristen and Ryan, the way in which both of you seem to have like taken what drew you to skateboarding and manifest it into what like sort of defines you as adults in a way, or I mean, so far yep. it's so impressive. I've never been able to do that. And I, I've talked to you, Kyle, privately about how you have, you've been able to like, for you, like skateboarding is a nice sort of like cultivation of ideas that you're kicking around as a, as a writer. And it's a, they, they work cohesively for me. I, I honestly, like I'm two different people between like my, yeah. my, uh, you know, academic role in my stuttering skateboarder role yeah Yeah. (laughs) i can cut your stutters out thanks (laughs) well thanks guys thank thanks Um, you all for talking about it i should get an agent though is that what we're getting at yeah Yeah. about my skate i have a very exciting opportunity for all of you (laughs) i'm so glad you've gotten here today so Kristen, can you can you get me on uh what you want i want to be on boosted I want to be. I want. Funny story. I, my brother applied for a job with them, didn't get it, and I was stoked. <laughs> Dude, oh, an, exactly what I need. Another fucking reason to hate them. Not only are they the Silicon Valley douchebags, they're also not down for the Eblings. <laughs> Fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck them. Okay, but what else? Who else do you want to be sponsored by? We got boosted. We got Nature Box. Uh, that's where the snacks just come to your house because these Trader Joe's runs are seriously like killing my gas budget. Got it. Uh, after that, we got Green Vegetarian Restaurant in Arizona. They Dude, don't have green a skate team, good. but if you can work that out, uh, we could then, launch. And then I don't have a laundry room door anymore. The wood had, has you rotted want Home out. Home Depot. Let's sponsor yeah. you by wood. <laughs> Home yeah. Depot. So, so yeah, if you could do that, and then like um, therapy, because that shit's expensive. Like, find me a good. Okay. Excuse me. For, what do you, for aging skaters. What do you think this is? <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> what a, what's uh, everyone's dream sponsor? Kyle, go. Oh, no, I can't. I don't know. Uh, uh, mm, Simon and Schuster. Modern mm, classics. Yeah, this is tough. <laughs> no. I don't Publishing house. Else go. Ryan, go. Uh, I don't know how to go. This is really tough. Uh, Mine's moleskin. <laughs> Wait, a lot lately. Wait, the journals or the things you put on your toes? Oh my god, can I say Airbnb? Can I get sponsored by Airbnb? Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah but, you can. All right, good. Yeah, I'd like that. I'd like to be able right. to just yeah, pick a city somewhere or flights. a place to go. That's fine. I'll cover that. <laughs> Who else has got one? TB. Um, is it skate sponsor or is it sponsor sponsor? It could be sponsor, endemic sponsor. or non-endemic, whatever you want. Air France. Oh, you just Damn, want to dude, go to Paris like, over and over again. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, They've got Schmitz. some questionable business ties. Me? Yeah. Oh, mine is very obviously Fender. I love rocking <laughs> out. I love, I love fucking. Just if I could just get there on stage, my fucking or maybe Marshall fat stack of marsh behind me. <laughs> Ryan, you got one. Uh. Ooh, I'm gonna go. I want a swimming pool. Just one swimming Just pool, please. Just paddock pools. Yeah, one swimming pool. I'll tag you. It's an That's easy. It. It's yeah. an easy flow. Paddock pools. Shasta he pools. wants to be pool flow. Yeah. <laughs> so. Kristen. Um, 
mine my friend Ambika makes this really good uh comfrey and arnica salve that i'm convinced healed my foot magically so that nice. and epsom salt <laughs> maybe so natural natural salts and balm company of some kind when, when you get when you get out. sponsored by them can you flow us some of it too you know yeah i'll hook yeah. the homies up nice. i'll slam right. some on the side yeah, yeah. yeah i've received like some, all good uh, skaters that's what sponsorship <laughs> means you right? know it's cbd though right it better be cbd that shit like cured my anxiety and my arthritis have you seen the meme where someone's like my parents like my father died or something like that and the person's like have you tried cbd <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no. that is me yeah that shit's real um but you know it's even better than cbd thc blah i have no idea what i'm talking about fucking lost my mind blah blah sorry to derail and do the fucking weed guy C- cbd rail yeah. <laughs> all right are we doing do Next tour segment? Kristen? Kristen, were you at do tour no or you i was just were not watching i was do trying tour? to do the do but the prices were too high Speaking of which, Gnarly Town is coming up uh, in four days, and I'm going to be in California. Oh, you're there. Wait, what are the dates yeah. of it again? It's June 22nd. Damn. Oh, I forgot to forward the email. We're all invited. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did we get guest passes, but they're in the form of a sweatband? Yeah, 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 they are. We have, yeah, we have VIP armbands. Um, Ted, you know Fender and Marshall are going to be there, right? Oh, that's why. <laughs> Dude, you guys thought that shit was organic? That was for sure a hashtag ad. So little girls are really good at skateboarding now. Yes. Young people are crushing it. Um, yeah. There were, Ryan, I'm sorry to tell you, but there was a lot of big spin front boards. But for women's skateboarding, that's a big deal. That's a, that's a new one that's out on the course. That's a big spin deal. Yeah. That's a big spin deal. I saw a lot of front blunts out there on the street course. Most impressively in the park, um, the first place winner is 12 years old. I don't think she's been skating more than five years. She's from Japan. Um, and I believe she was the second woman ever in competition to perform a McTwist, the fifth woman ever in the world to ever complete a McTwist. Her name is Misugu Akamoto. Um, again, 12 years old. That's amazing. Just won That's an cool. Olympic qualifying event. There's a photo of her next to Lizzie Armanto. There is like a full head and a half height difference. Yeah. So I'm just... I'm just so floored and so excited with women's skateboarding. It's it's at this really interesting place, right? Where like, there's really only, I mean, and this goes back to the Alexis interview. I think she talks about women only getting contracts maybe like three years ago. Yeah. yeah. But if like, you're this kid, Masugu, and you've been skating for a year, and all of a sudden <clears throat> you see that like, being a pro level woman skater is possible, then you know what I mean? I don't know if that's her motivation, but that has to be part of it, right? The idea that like, you can be an Olympian and you can do all these things. All these doors are opening. So it's just really interesting. Um, on the street side, there's another um, uh, girl that got fifth place um, in the final. Um, her name's Yukamika, um, or, or Yumika, excuse me. Um, and yeah, like it's just, it's just wild to see these girls kind of in a lot of ways just coming out of nowhere. Um, yeah, so it's, it's just really exciting and um, I think it's uh, I think the ability gap I'd say between like men just speaking in a super binary way just because that's the way the contests are but um, between like men and women there's been this huge ability level gap and I've been saying this for a long time and I'm like maybe I'm crazy I don't know Um, but uh, I feel like I'm right and I hope I get proven right in my lifetime I think there isn't a huge ability gap between men and women because of the opportunities and the amount of women that have the opportunity to try skateboarding um this takes me back to high school i went to a small high school 
There was not a lot of people in my high school, therefore our football team sucked. But what was the team that whooped ass in our division? It was the team that had way more students, they had a larger talent pool. Um, and so I'm excited to see so many more women picking up skateboards and as young as 12 years old, just crushing everyone. Like, where is this 12 year old going to be in 10 years? Like when she's like Lizzie's stature. So it's just, uh, kind of a freakish phenomenon going on right now. And yeah, it seems uh, like one of these things where it's like, I mean, one, one takeaway is like, holy shit, America is going to get fucking stomped in the Olympics. Uh, and true, but also like, and that's, that's great. Like. Um, yeah, I'm yeah, not like, oh man, what the fuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I also like, I you know, I wouldn't ever want to speak for any female or non-male skateboarders, but I, it seems like I've always thought that the it was so much more about feeling welcome at a park and seeing people. You know, like the we naturally sort of our favorite skaters are always the people that look like us or that remind us of someone that we want to be like and can yeah. emulate when we first start yeah. skating. So I think that is amazing that there are these like uh young female athletes that are that are like doing amazing things and unprecedented things and that that will continue um which is awesome but i also kind of like it's a weird it's like a different kind of skateboarding right like it's still contest skateboarding it's still totally i mean you know it just there is what it, what it seems to me it's it's awesome, but I I hope that that this uh, this skater is like in ten years like didn't we just spend like twenty five minutes talking about how like like malignant the idea of becoming a professional skateboarder was and how we had all had to sort of grapple with and outgrow that idea um, to become the people that we are, and I I'm like you know part of me is like good there. This as examples, these pros need to serve, like sort of, play this role. But um, yeah, I worry about the the people, and I worry about this integrity of the sport. If there's a so by, so by that model, Ted, are you suggesting that like there's a way that these the the girls because they are girls are twelve years old that these girls are kind of the like if if indeed one of the best things that comes out of um, this situation is that all sorts of young, young girls across the world now have a kind of model to think like, oh, I can do that. Yeah, right? I like, think, I mean, I think that's w- the best best case scenario. Right. Yeah. It, in that model, though, like there is a real there is a kind of risk that the people who are the models end up kind of being the sacrificial sort of like th- they have to be the ones to sort of. I also I also think that that's an you end. know potentially suffer the dangers of like what stardom at age 12 does like how like yeah. you know we all just sat here in very articulate ways after a whole lot of reflection a whole lot of years either thinking about it or not thinking about it just kind of struggled to say like well here's kind of my relationship to skateboarding right yeah. like you know yeah. it's it's a phenomenon you see in gymnastics it's a phenomenon you saw for a long time in tennis where like you know you you take a child and you you eliminate choice and you say, here's what you do. And, yeah. you know, I have no idea what the model is by which, um, you know, the 12 year old who learns a McTwist learned that McTwist. But I do have some um, red flags that go up that make me think like, wow, did she really want to go inverted off a of vert ramp? Like, is that something she really wanted? Or was there uh, a coach in the background saying like, this is this is what you do. This is how you do it. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, because that's an interesting equation. Like, yes, 
girls are going to be super inspired by the fact that these 12 year olds are winning. Um, but I, yeah, uh, yeah, I do. I do have a little bit of, um, qualms with what, what that means for those individuals. Is yeah. that fair? Yeah. Am I, yeah. I yeah. don't know. Kristen, I think I it's, question. I think it's fair. And I think it's like, um, it is kind of, yeah, I do question like whether or not anyone that's a child, right. Anyone that's a minor, you know, on this type of stage to a way they have an ex an advantage because they don't understand the full pressures of life, you know, right, but right. I think that's also because like so many adults around them are telling them what to do. Right. So I do from like a youth serving perspective, like I do want to make sure that, you know, that's not the case. And I really hope that it's not right. that they're being like pressured into it. Um, I guess where I was coming from is that there was all these things that in, um, growing up in skateboarding, I was like, man, will yeah. I ever see a woman do X? Will I ever see totally. this yeah. happen? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it just really feels like there's so much momentum now that, yeah, like there is no reason why a woman's body can't do a, a tremendous array of things I thought that were reserved for only men. Right. Um, yeah. Backside yeah, nose sick. grind around the corner. That's sick. And, so, and, and I know it's, I know I'm like this nerd and I'm talking about contest skating and like if we kind of look at it like, you guys wouldn't talk about do tour in the same way that I'm really fired up and excited about it. Right. But where we're at right now in women's skateboarding is like, we were just talking about this huge spread of Alexis getting all these six street photos and talking about, about going to MIT. Guess who was also at do tour? Alexis Sablone, Lacey right. Baker, yeah. Jen Soto, Mariah Dan, all the dopest like women street skaters that are hella raw and real and like getting clips in the streets and putting out parts. But they're also at do tour. Why? Because that's a that's one of very few opportunities that they have. Yeah, right. Yeah. So right. I think that's why I'm fired up and excited about it as well. Do you? Do well, you, I, got, I also I mean, think I cut off Ryan. Sorry. I <laughs> know. Uh, I just had a question for you, and that like, and I might I may just be totally ignorant of this, but it seems that in men's skateboarding, a lot of the greatest skateboarders kind of came from a skate coach background and then defected around their teens. And do you think that there's going to be, I don't know, like a or are you, are you seeing that already that there's kind of these girls that grew up in a like whatever a gymnastics type of skate environment that you know that's trained for the olympics and then kind of defect to street skating because they see an alexis sablone interview see that there's you know these opportunities for them in in kind of mainstream street skating and and get attracted to it for all the same reasons we have been yeah i mean there is already an example of that there's someone named alana smith um that grew up skating lots of transition she was actually um one of few women to execute to the mctwist what'd you say huh. ted i gave alana smith her very first skate lesson wow yeah alana smith is from here yeah, yeah exactly so she had that she comes you know i don't want to tell her life story for her but i know she comes from a family that was like really involved in her you know upbringing she was kind of like a child star in skateboarding and she did take a hiatus and she actually just came back at Dutour. so it's funny that you brought that up ryan is that she just had kind of her first contest breakthrough and she's skating street she was like kickflip yeah. backlipping the rail and blunt sliding it and she was ripping um and she's got a totally new style she cut her hair off she looks dope like she looks sick yeah. like she's hella good style she's like um, definitely not like a frail build. Like she's really like strong, you know, like she yeah, just yeah. looks sick on it. It looks like she's meant to be on a skateboard in a similar way that Alexis does. So, um, it was so sick to see her. Um, <clears throat> nobody asked, but I'm going to throw this in there for two seconds. Um, you can find my opinions about little kids being sponsored three episodes back. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's whatever it, it, yeah, my feelings are that it's probably not good. Um, anyways, 
Uh, but I do have a tie-in to what's happening with the podium at uh, Dew Tour and with the Alexis interview. Um, and uh, no, but but she brings up a point which is basically saying that uh, you know ability isn't everything, um, and that it 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 matters uh, who's doing it and how they're doing it. Um, and and I found that that was um, that was a sort of concise way to to put um, what has always been a sort of uh, just, I don't know, hard to define way of looking at skating for me, which is like, I've just, there's just always been the conversation, which is like, you know, good for a girl stuff. And, and I've been like, well, you know, but like, um, Austin Seaholm has been amazing for a guy, <laughs> but I don't give a fuck. Like, I like, like, I like Aaron Harrison, like, I, I always have, I always will, even when he rides for ATM, which is like really hard to find after somebody goes to ATM. Um, I'm gonna like the hairball footage, even if it's not as good as Austin Seahome. And it's because it matters who's doing it and how they're doing it. Um, and so I am at once, sus I am suspicious of the, the motives at play, how much agency is at play for a, a person of 10 or 12. Uh, to be on a stage that large, though they are closing the ability gap, even within their um, their ranks, um, I am I have uh, I have seen a, I have seen ability as a view of skating, um, both as something exciting. You know, it's good to see somebody who's got technical ability, um, but also as a sort of uh, I don't want to say gate, uh, but uh, as something of a problem. Uh, to be that that um, a lens outside of ability has actually been uh, a better way to get to to make me more appreciative of some really exciting skating. Um, and uh, although, dude, it's like all this is to say, props to this girl. Like, if you're 12 and you fucking rip, you should be allowed to go wherever you want and skate wherever you want. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I am suspect of the industry forces behind um taking that ability and s trying to sell it yeah for sure yeah part of um, my lately i don't know how to articulate this and i probably won't do it well but i'm part of me is just like why the fuck do we still have professional skateboarders anyway no offense ryan. i feel that like, way very hard. like this is like the the sorry ryan. bad idea that should have <laughs> died in 1988 like we yeah. all skateboards are the fucking same like the the community yes. shit that is starting to happen is seems to me so much more important and productive than uh, contests ever were, and um, I'm you know hopelessly devoted to skateboarding and I never had a shred of hope of b being pro. Like the moment I started to enjoy it was yeah you're right and like I just don't understand it's like you it's like you kind of disenfranchise the most radiantly uh, talented people in this culture by making by making them slaves to some shitty antiquated hero worship system of like name recognition. It's, and I mean, I understand that pushing skateboarding and seeing it progress inspires people and makes people excited. And if we didn't have some, some sort of engine turning those wheels, it would maybe get stagnant, but it's just like, it's so hard for me to picture this ever being an actual good thing. Well, part yes. Yeah, Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Oh, no. I was gonna say, is there a way to like 
create a version of possibility models in skateboarding. I think especially yeah. for like myself, yeah. you know, when I saw what Alyssa could do on a skateboard, it changed my frame of mind. It like fundamentally uprooted anything totally. that I told myself. And, and it did it again when I saw this 12 year old just whoop everyone's ass yeah. like at Dutour. And so uh, is there a way that we can have those possibility models? Cause they're super important and they're super important, especially for like non-traditional identities um in skateboarding like as a way to have that because i think that's positive but i think not the I, industry side i guess it's just capitalism i don't yeah like. one of the things i thought was so interesting about that interview is that you had like this mutual respect between Alyssa and alexis and that they were actually kind of like they are you know Alyssa was for alexis this pioneer you know at the end of the interview i yeah. thought i was so rad she's she just like thank you for paving the way that in the way that you did and also like and then she thanked thrasher and she's like it's about time which is fucking rad yeah yeah but, that was fucking good that, that was great but um but also that you it's sort of like Alyssa. uh as far as i can tell i mean there were people like jamie ray's obviously before but like she was she really like kind of took female skateboarding on a professional level to a much broader and and more technically advanced level and i feel like on some level like alexis closes that off as someone who like encountered her skated in competitions with her was inspired by her but also went to mit and is doing all these other amazing things and it's like that type of uh that model of of non-male pro will know kind of ends with alexis and then the next generation will be these contest kids so if I could jump in here, I think the the word Kristen that you're using is possibility models, um, which as I'm translating that um, is is stage, right? I mean, we're, is that fair enough? Like to have a stage, to have a kind of venue for like Alyssa's possible, you know, possibility model uh, that she had for Alexis was basically the two toy machine videos, right? Like that was what provided the possibility model for Alexis Sablone was that Alyssa was in the, you know, welcome to jumping off a hell building or, you know, um, Don't and the suggestion is what do tour remains, whatever else it is and whatever problems it has and whatever the, you know, nutritional value of Mountain Dew is what we have here is a trade off for a possibility model for, um, girls around the world to see like, oh, yeah, here is yeah. this thing I could do, or here is a possibility that, uh, you know, other voices in the world might say to me is not actually an option. Like, fuck that. Actually check out um, this this 12-year-old McTwist. I want to do that. That's what I want to do, right? I mean, what we're talking about essentially is a stage. And, and, and part of the challenge here is that, you know, every week it seems like it comes up that we have this kind of flattening these days. Like, well, everyone, everyone can make a video. Everyone has a camera in their pocket. Everyone can be a brand. Everyone can start everything. So it, it's not just that we need to make sure that there are still possibility models or find a way for those possibility models to be real. It's that one of maybe the dark sides of this flattening and this uh, democratization of media is that, well, now the do tour really kind of paradoxically becomes even more important because everything else is so flat. Yeah. And if we're going to say that skate videos now aren't at the same level that, you know, nothing is as important as jump off a building straight into hell. Like nothing is, is <laughs> as important. You know, the polar video where they go to Puerto Rico is a fleeting moment. It's cool as shit, but ultimately it's an advertisement. Like 
it, when everything is flattened, the question becomes like, well, are we actually giving more power now to the do tour? Like, are we weirdly paradoxically saying that the only stages we have now are these major corporate organized events like the Olympics or like the do tour? Like, is there a way that we've created a kind of monster here by flattening everything? Does that make sense? Well, I, I think that, you know, professional skateboarding is like an exercise in performance, taste, aesthetic, and an exercise in storytelling, right? And so the do tour flattens it and makes it just about performance. But I think for, at least for me, and I probably some of y'all, I think what's interesting to me is like, who can tell the most interesting story? I like don't care about performance at all anymore. It's such a minor component in how interested I am in someone's skateboarding. But if if they have an interesting story and they've got great taste and aesthetics, it's like that is that's what I want to see. And I think that that still has like the market power, really. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's a better model for skateboard companies to follow, you know, just because it seems like, I don't know, the, at least in men's skateboarding, it's like everyone is competing on this performance element. And I'm not convinced that it's even selling to people. I think, I think though, probably... Would it, that if I want to be optimistic about it, that happens. You know, like we all, like when I first started skating, I was like, oh, Tony Hawk. And then I was like, wait, no, Lance Mountain. And you know, like you, like, <laughs> like, like you, you start out being like, well, who's the best one? Let's, let's pay attention to them. And they're like, well, I like this one more. And so it's like, and that's, I think also what you're saying, what a performance model means is like, you kind of see what's possible. You see what's red. And then you're like, wait, well, I like the person that looks comfortable on their board, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. All right, yeah. we figured that out. All right, y'all ready to do funeral pyre? I'm going to oh, go yeah. first because uh, mine's actually exactly why I have to leave right now. My, I, I am over-scheduled skateboarding. <laughs> I, I, the last week or two, I have been having to schedule skateboarding, and I have got a date with a filmer right now, and so I have to leave. And uh, I just think that for me, I wish that – I know that this is impossible because everyone works jobs, but – to get back to a place where you can skate, at least filming wise, especially like it really needs to come from like a day out with your friends. And when you try and schedule these things, um, it just becomes torture. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. And it's like something that everyone deals with, whether you're filming a video part or you're just going and skating to just get some exercise in, or you need to find an hour or two. It's really hard when you're like, oh, I got an hour on a Wednesday. Let's go skate from seven to eight. And it takes you 45 minutes to get warmed up. And, you know, you spend 30 of that minutes talking about wrestling, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's also like, you know, one of the realities here of I have I have skater friends who have kids and it's just like that's it you you have to schedule it like if you want to see these people you have to schedule it or i have skater friends who like me are married and sneak off on sunday mornings to have our old dude session at the park um but i think what you're talking about is not not only scheduling but also like scheduled productivity right i mean scheduled productivity exactly and also yeah. like you can schedule skateboarding but give yourself a few hours of leeway yeah i think it's like the the like one hour session with friends or one hour session filming yeah is is a really bad way to skate yeah for sure good one yeah, that's right so on that note love y'all bye i'm out of here bye, bye, bye. Ryan. bye ryan good luck who's next i'll go next what do you got flat bars should be round <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh shit! <laughs> flat bars. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah, cosine. Oh, fuck, that's so good. <laughs> Can I get a cosine? Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Did, because did, a flat bar that's like as wide as a sandwich is just a box. <laughs> yeah. That's such a good frame. Bad box. Oh, oh shit. shit. Well, if Chris, that's you, perfect, dude. <laughs> Sorry to all you flat bars out there. That's the perfect. Yeah. Just wait till you hear from them. Any <laughs> <laughs> flat bars out there? Fucking come at me. They're su- well, they're supposed to be. Uh, they're supposed to be easier because they're supposed to take the width of the truck. But actually, uh, they make they make the margin for error way smaller because yeah. if your back wheels, yep. uh, one side or the other, gets on the flat top, yeah. you're completely fucked. And then. And this is this is a this is an an anatomy issue, but when from experience, when you sack the round bar, uh, there is there is a larger margin for error because the bar can go on either side of your ball sack. Yeah. But with the flat top, it is like a fucking pancake, and you're getting both balls and dick smashed into your body. B B and D. Yeah. Yeah. It's completely fucked. So I agree with you. I agree. Uh, right. They should be round bars. Um, here's, yeah. Here's why the, are they even called flat? Here's bars? the solution to that: just don't skate not them. Inclined, I think, don't right? skate <laughs> flat. Bars. Don't fuck with rails. Yeah, yeah. Avoid <laughs> them. <laughs> turn turn thirty five and never look at a flat bar again. All right, I can go next. Mine is uh, this is going to sound super. Ped- I mean, it is pedantic. This is pedantic, and I, I apologize in advance. Um, Definition, it. sir. Um, I'm I'm going to essentially be speaking from a place of teaching something here, um, which due to it being my profession, I don't have a whole lot of actual um, remorse about. I just apologize (laughs) um, to sound remorseful. Okay, so, and the rail is maybe a tie-in here. So this is a grammar thing. Uh, but unlike a lot of stupid grammar things, um, this is one that I think is actually useful in terms of the way that we conceptualize the world. And I think that if, if I have any uh, drum to beat about language, um, like with the Jason Jesse situation, when um, there was a really, really important distinction, I think, to be made between an apology and an excuse, right? And so if we can understand the distinction between apology and excuse, um, you know, the whole Jason Jesse Instagram thing. And, you know, frankly, the follow up on the nine club, it becomes pretty clear that this is a person who is remains interested in making excuses. And, you know, fundamentally, that is different than an apology. So, you know, stakes a little different here. But it seems to me that understanding the fact that farther and further are two different things might be conceptually important to us, right? One of them is a metaphor for distance. And that's further. Right. Anytime we're speaking in terms of um, falling further into love or um, being f- further inclined to do a thing, we're not speaking of an actual literal distance. When we say farther with an A, we're speaking of actual literal distance. <laughs> All right. And now the, the only reason I say this is because one of them is a metaphor. And I think it's important for us to understand when we are speaking conceptually from a place of metaphor and when we are speaking oh, yeah. from a place of literalness. Yeah. And, and, and so this is pedantic. This is a small thing. But the fact is, is that metaphors define our existence. And the more aware we are of them, like, for instance, George Lakoff pointed out in an incredible book called um, Metaphors We Live By, argument is war. And we tend to conceptualize argument as this kind of battle 
But, you know, the, the thought exercise there is, well, what if we considered argument as a kind of dance, right? Like, what if instead of thinking about this as a thing that's one, we think of it as a thing we engage in, in a kind of back and forth dance. And so the idea there being that the more aware we are of the metaphors that we generally are not aware of, um, the more that we can conceive of other ways of being. And so linguistically, when we speak further and farther, one of those is literal and one of those is a metaphor. So just be aware of when you are speaking metaphorically, because frankly, if you can free the way we speak of the world, we can free the way we see the world and we can free the way that we are in the world as human beings. So for me, that's a grammatical uh, distinction I would like to see us pay more attention to. So burning down Send bad off. further farthers. G grammatical and metaphysical. Yeah, that's um, it. Nice. Uh, there's there's a long running joke in our group chat, which is the distance between a part and a part. Uh, if you look around Instagram, you will find it all over the fucking place. Pros are often very happy to be a part of videos that they actually oh, yeah. have mm -hmm. a part mm -hmm. in. And you're like, are you separated from them? <laughs> and you're excited about it? It seems like you're introducing it and you're included in it. <laughs> that's uh, it, man. I but, think it um, matters. I think it matters. There, yeah, I agree. There is something that's getting harder to understand uh, with regard to language and how we think about metaphor. Um, and it's that, I can't remember, a, a good friend of mine brought it up to me, but they really hated when people said uh, that things that they were figuratively going to th do things, but they say they were literally going to yeah. do things to be hyperbolic about yeah, it, yeah. right? So they yeah. would say like, you know, I'm like, I'm literally going to kill you, which means I'm so angry at you that, you yeah. know, a bigger form of this is me hurting you. Right. Yeah. right. Um, but one now because of the way that language moves is that one definition of literal is figurative, right? which is also an antonym. Right. So it's, 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 we are like we are having a hard time just in general uh, with with how we're using language to understand um, our thoughts, uh, our metaphors, and and our uh, figures of speech. Um, we're getting further. I think. Right. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I guess the we're thing I would say, and this is, it. you know, this is the whole uh, language is politics thing, is that the. We, one doesn't want to be prescriptive and exclusive in terms of saying that like grammar defines who you are um, and that if you speak ungrammatically that you are somehow failing uh, to communicate as a person because of course yeah, there yeah. are all sorts of circumstances that play into how a person interacts with language but the fact is is that we live in a world right now where um, there, there are grave abuses going on yeah. at levels above us um, yeah. that linguistically, if we if we are able to pay a little bit more attention, we might find ourselves a little bit more prepared to deal with our new reality. All right. That's the end of my soapbox. One of the Ted's. <laughs> um, uh, do, you, do you want Ender or what do you want to do here? Uh, you go. Well, you know, you, right. you, you should get Ender. You, you, I bet you're ramped up. Uh. <laughs> I'm just always, I, although I think that that was a bit, um, uh, that was a bit patronizing be because you know that like I'm somewhat of a recovering flyout kid, <laughs> but, uh, uh, oh, fuck it. I don't care. I'll, I'll go. Um, and, and I, I 
really hope that you all have taken notice of the things that I've taken notice of over the last few years um, because I've taken part in them. And that's my favorite type of funeral party <laughs> is to say goodbye to many parts of my past self, um, which I am constantly doing and I am constantly learning and fucking hyped to do. One of them that we need to say goodbye to is what I call the transition it trick, you know, quotes around it or whatever, which in 2007 was the nose grind pop in. Mm. And in uh, and in probably 2009 was the front side crail slide. And right now it is the front blunt on quarter pipes. Oh, thank God. And, and it's a trick that was hard and elusive. And then all of a sudden the street skater who barely tra- skates transition has immediately figured it out and taken all mystery around it out of the equation and it's become a sort of staple of the contest run and this um what is it i'm uh, dying to know what it is right now yeah it's the front blunt it's the oh fuck watch any contest run watch axel kreisberg is amazing at them jamie foy these are not transition skaters jagger Um, Jagger Eaton, he does the. Uh, although because he's my boy, I'm I, I can't say anything bad about. Uh, and uh, uh, just watch, like literally any contest run, you'll just see it all over the place. And they all know how to do it, where they ollie up a little bit and they come back in the um, way you the way you do. Because it's it's a fakie front 180. It's just scary. So I'm just scared <laughs> of it. But I know fundamentally what it is. I've done one in my life. It's a fakie front 180. It's a very street trick, Ted. Yes. But no, these are all tricks that I've learned, and I learned them all. I luckily I learned the front blunt before it was what it was now, uh, but it was after Mike Anderson. It completely revolutionized it. Um, and but I did the frontside crail slides. I still can, even though you've seen a bail. Uh, <laughs> and the frontside nose grind pop ins. I still do them if you see a, me skate a mini ramp. But them as being the it trick, the the unmysteri- like the the sort of curtain pulled away go to. Um, I am very over yeah. that as being a sort of trend and a shortcut for street skaters to become um, sort of revered in transition. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I really dislike this. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the next one is, but I think we should be very cautious be of it when plans. a street skater. Sad plants. Although I do really back John Rattray's campaign. Oh, no, I know. Oh, I'm all fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. good. Yeah. Have you, you've all seen this? Uh, we should have made point to this. Um, yeah, he's been, he's been doing an awesome uh, campaign to, to bring up the discussion of depression and skateboarding um, because he lost somebody close to him and is, is using the sad plant as an image to provoke a conversation and a cause. And it's awesome. Yeah. Dude, John Rache freaking rocks. Yeah. 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 Love I, it. I like, ruler. you know, I'm inundated by like weird, creepy messages from strangers who want my attention. And I send those yeah. type of messages to John Rattray quite often. <laughs> like, I, like, I'll just be like, hey, uh, I had this idea. I was thinking about you. <laughs> he's just like. <laughs> he's very patient. Yeah, he truly yeah. is. But I can, I, he always makes it very clear when his patience has uh, reached its limit. Dwindled? Get it? Uh, nice. Zero is out of dwindle. When, when, he, when his patience has gone down to zero. <laughs> <laughs> and Ted Barrow, funeral pyre. Gatekeepers. The term, what? not the not well, the thing, because the thing doesn't exist. 
Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like dismissing things is like, oh, you're you're being a gatekeeper. Fuck that. It's bullshit. Like everyone is coming. No one believes that they're a gatekeeper. Everyone is coming at it from a position of vulnerability and outsiderness, whether or not you represent the establishment or just like an authority. Like like calling someone a gatekeeper is fucking like giving them more imaginary power than they actually have. It's a stupid term. It needs to go. I'm sick of it. So you're you're saying that speaking in that way is already a kind of defeat and that it's so like, you're not suggesting that there aren't differentials in power where no, some I, people I, are I, able to yeah, I, exclude I, others. I don't know like it's just it it seems to be thrown around in a in a way where in a in a context where it's like it's not really about that we're like involved in the same culture and we share 90% of the same ideas. Um, who's the gatekeeper here? Like you're the one drawing up, you're the one creating boundaries and parameters. And I'm not talking, this does not have to do with like uh, gender or creed or, or, you know, how one identifies. That's not what I mean. I don't think that gatekeeper is often used in that context. I think it has to do with like a presumed authority, which I really object to. Hmm. I mean, I, I can, imagine I can, some people are going to disagree with that, Ted. Yeah, B. but okay, it's like uh, when it's so I object when it's like um, lobbed at me because it's like I'm not actually in skateboarding. I talk about skateboarding. I'm a fucking skate nerd, but I talk about it yeah. from the outside. And I object when it's like lobbed at people that like, you know, when you again, when you meet people that work in the industry, like <laughs> they want to be where we are. You know, like they're interested in like the non-skateboarding side or being able to skate for fun or not having skateboarding be your entire life. Like they're not gatekeepers. They're not keeping you from pursuing your skateboard dream. You know, it's just like a strange term. I don't think it's correct. It has, it has to do with semantics. It also has to do with defensiveness and boundaries, which I don't like. Huh? I mean, I could, I could name names, you know, like I've, I've certainly uh, lurk on people's Instagrams and see them law, uh, complain about gatekeepers but I might lose my job. Oh, wait. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, there has been, I think, an issue of confusing a lot of uh, exclusion as um, worthy of uh, equal hate or derision, yeah. um, which is, um, I think, what I think is misguided, although I may have to come correct on this one. Um, because yeah, it's like I I am a member of a dominant identity group. I understand I I understand that. Um, but the I would be um, if I told somebody that I had the powers of the gate, they would maybe think that I was delusional. Yeah, um, that's although in a lot of ways I am delusional, so they may be correct. <laughs> but um, I I cannot give or reduce uh the status of of any one member of the skateboard community i see um, i'm sorry i think that's totally tr untrue like i think yeah i mean uh i think that as i think that when these conversations come up with gatekeeper no matter how much i disagree with it i feel like my standard reaction best reaction is to kind of just shut the fuck up yeah like i think, yeah, I think I that's think, a good idea 
I think generally, like if someone's <laughs> gonna, gonna if that. someone's gonna come and say like you are and 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 say to me you are perpetuating power dynamics that have been in place and have been damaging for many many years, my number one task is to shut the fuck up. My yeah, second task, right. though, and I think this is a totally fair one, is to be like, okay, are you? Are, are, are you, and I do this kind of privately first, are you coming at me at, from a, a place where your own power is somehow threatened or, do, or are you instead coming at me from a place where you have a different ambition, right? And like, so some of the stuff that's come up with the like longboarding conversation, I've kind of thought like, well, I don't actually consider uh, longboarders in the grand skateboard culture to be um, a, a disempowered group. Uh, and so that then I kind of having maybe interrogated what I might have done to these um, this disempowered group, I, I kind of think, well, no, I don't actually respect that as a, a, a distinction. Um, but generally, I mean, I don't know. I think we should just shut the fuck up. Like if people feel uh, disempowered, it's not my job to tell them you're wrong or you're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think... I think all of us have a uh, role to play in what could be considered gatekeeping. Um, I don't know if that's the best word to use, but yeah, I think a lot of times language is limiting. So like Kyle, you've brought up before, like the concept of like toxic masculinity is just sort of this vague thing. So is the word like problematic, but yeah. it's yeah. like, to be completely honest, like some people a don't have the language for it at all and don't yeah. say anything. So I think the fact that people are trying to talk about it and trying to call it out and the fact that this is like the first time in skateboarding that we're, really starting to have like these intentional conversations about power dynamics, I think is like really powerful. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think like, honestly, and I think my experience is a little bit different. There's certain things that like, I can't say on air because I have stories from like mostly women, but a lot of like queer folks, people that don't fit the norm. Um, you know, their stories of like getting completely like axed from things or excluded completely or getting told why they didn't get a job. And when they tell me what it is, I'm like, dude, that's bullshit. Yeah. So it's like, whether we call it gatekeeping or not, there's definitely people in skateboarding that benefit from a homogenous dominant leadership culture. And whether or not like we are a huge role in that or a small role that exists. So I just want to say that I do think that that's true. And I do appreciate Kyle's response of trying to listen and hear it out um, because inherently if you are a gatekeeper if you are upholding a system of power that is making others feel oppressed or actually oppressed or whatever it is how would you know yeah yeah true yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely I uh, your point is well taken and I don't I think I just mean um, maybe it's a question of semantics and, and again like you address that uh, but I think that it's to me and I, from, from my experience and I'm not saying I obviously don't know, but, um, to me, it's the otherness that kind of is inherent to skateboarding. That is the most hopeful thing that I see as a point of common ground where you can meet people within skateboarding that are coming from these different things. And we all felt excluded from it in our own ways when we came into it. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. that's... Sorry. Oh, I just... Um, 
kind of was thinking this, Ted, when you were first speaking, actually. And I think why this might be hard for all of us is that w for whatever reason, like even just picking skateboarding as our thing, maybe not for kids that pick up skateboards today, but when we in our generations picked up a skateboard, that was like an inherent choice to do something that was different, that was other, yeah. and that wasn't yeah. popular, and that wasn't cool, and that we got made fun of or beat up for or whatever. And for me, it's always been hard because I'm part of a subculture within a subculture, just being a woman mm. and feeling excluded, but then sharing in the identity with my male peers that like we both feel othered by security guards. So we had common ground yeah. there, it's like such a great metaphor, honestly, for like intersectionality and the yeah. idea that like, you know, people that wear other parts of their identity, whether they're people of color or they're queer or whatever, however they identify or wherever they are in the world, like there's going to be all these different layers to you. So we can be like, yeah, dude, we're all just skaters. But like we have to know that like there's going to be certain things that we just can't see about their yeah. experience. Um, and so I think that's what's hard about it, though, because we're like from my perspective, and maybe from yours too, Ted, you're like, but like, I'm an outcast too. I'm an outsider. Like, I'm not inside. I'm not an insider. I'm not even in the industry. But to somebody else, like their experience interacting with you could be totally different. And I guess it's just about being aware of that. But I totally hear you that like, it is kind of messed up to put you in the same category potentially as like other people that are like making sure that women don't get jobs in skateboarding, for instance, you know, like you're not on the same team as that guy. So I think it's hard because everyone has this like chip on their shoulder outsider feeling just by being a skateboarder. Yeah. I didn't thank you. At for, least people that are our age. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for clarifying. I think I, your addition and your clarification is much more important than what I was initially saying. I, the <laughs> main thing is for me is just that like, it's not recognizing the other person's, uh, stake in it if it's like you know uh i would it call it vulnerability or humanity or something it's just like right i don't like the i don't like dismissals on either end you know like i'm right. totally i'm right um <clears throat> and it and for perhaps i've i don't want to make it about me at all like like i it always surprises me when people are like yeah but you judge skateboarding all day and i'm like i never actually judge it i'm totally kidding you know like yeah like you don't get my joke that i've yeah. made but um yeah i yeah i just the word has annoyed me the concept which really has to do with recognizing another person's humanity is the most important thing that uh any of us should attend to of course i don't have much to add other than uh, Ryan's already done wait, skating. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan got, the, got clip. the clip. We need a report, um, sir. Reporting um, live. Ryan Lay. I didn't think y'all be still recording. Yeah, I know. It always Turn goes on. Turn your mic on. on um, Ryan's. Oh, sorry. I have the power to him. Uh, speaking of power dynamics. No, no, no. Uh, my, <laughs> you my, gatekeeper. My, so, <laughs> so, so like, keep the so shit out of him. Speaking from experience. <laughs> yeah, way to gatekeep Ryan. I, I think what I, what I am understanding is, is a semantic distinction. Um, because, uh, one, you know, sort of like as, as a white dude, I have, or like as a straight dude, I've definitely perpetuated systems that are totally rotten, um, totally corrupt, uh, and, and, um, whatever. Yeah. Just the, just the, the awful things about, uh, skate culture that were there, um, whether they were sexist or homophobic or, um, but also, but, but I feel as though I have never um been been in a place to 
give anybody or take anybody's resources. Um, and I and I think I may be confused on the distinction of what people are actually, what 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 part of my practices or 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 the industry's practices they may be indicting when they're saying gatekeeping. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things maybe to just. If, if I could chime in one more time, like yeah. the reality here is that we're dealing with systems and we're not dealing with people, yeah. right? We are dealing with systems that are in place and, and the way, the ways that each of us without meaning to perpetuate those systems are in yes. fact what defines the systems that we live in and that's it. Right. Um, and so, yeah. you know, it's not even just like a margin for error and it's not even just benefit of the doubt. It's the fact that just recognizing like, look, all of us operate in this ecosystem. And if we would like to, if we would like to work against the systems that are in place, I think step one is setting aside our default, totally natural and totally human defensiveness that says like, hold on a second, I'm gatekeeping. I'm, I'm, I'm a guy who lives, you know, grew up in Missouri and, you know, never got more than shop sponsored. How could I possibly tell you, you know, where is my authority? And the fact is, is that like authority is totally relative. Um, the power is, is totally dependent on the weakest person in the room. And I think, I think uh, the vigilance required to undo this fucking mess that we've been put into um, is going to require a whole lot of hard work of listening. Yeah. I guess we need to ask ourselves every day, what are we doing to dismantle it? Yeah. Yeah. Regardless Parking of where cars. we're at. We're going to get there one car at a time, goddammit. Parking cars. <laughs> <laughs> Parking cars and using scooters. I got a trick challenge for next week. Yeah. Ready, sir. It is not that I like this trick. It is not that I particularly look forward to attempting this trick. Can you do it, sir? I have never done it. I believe that I can do it Classic. because a after the switch front side flip, I believe I can do anything. He's drunk with ability. Uh, but <laughs> it, it comes from the do tour and it comes from a clip that in fact, um, it w was I shot where doing just a fuck around in the middle of his run front side, 360 shove it. That was Ooh. switch dance, Kyle. <laughs> oh my God. This, this is like that Nike ad with, with Paul. <laughs> Paul's rig. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, ours isn't going to be switch because I can't do that. So ours is going to uh, be. Switch seems Would you like a rebate? Regular. Switch is way easier than regular. I've done both. Oh, God. Yeah. Dude, Beamer. regular. Wait, what was it? Regular what? Regular, regular 360 shove. But Aishaz was definitely switch. He's saying they've, front side 360 shove, a laser flip with no heel. They both seem easy. I just filmed the street side? trick in seven minutes. <laughs> Congratulations. Front side. Front side 360 shot. Everyone is drunk with ability. I think that right? sounds kind of fun. Wait, I still don't understand what it is. Sorry. Ryan, you actually have to film it, though. Front you can't shove, just say that you did it. It spins 360. <laughs> Kristen, can you hear me? Yeah. A front side shove it, but instead of it spinning 180, it goes 360. That's impossible. But can we it's do it on a, on a hip so it spins less? Um, as long as it spins 360, yes. All right. I'm going to a fucking ice skating rink. Yeah. Well,. Yeah, if you count Kyle's switch frontside 90. Oh, bullshit, dude. Watch it. Go back to the tape. Go to the tape. That's why I was so shocked. I was like, oh, that fl that went all the way. Uh, the funny thing is that Ted just did a kick turn and then switch flip, <laughs> kick straight down, and then landed, and then did the rest of the turn and pivot. <laughs> Ted, it was one of my best ones. Ted's was beautiful. Ted Barrows was perfect. Anyway, that's it. Frontside, 360 shove it. Don't enjoy yourself. Just do it. I'm into it. All right.
I'm not right. backing this. I'm not co-signing this. <laughs> I, I have a text Kristen, record here, this, Kristen, Kristen, of you, you turning down the opportunity to name the trick challenge this week. <laughs> well, I thought that you hadn't had one yet, but I just remembered right before you said <laughs> yours was the fakey heel flip. Yeah. You started all of this. Sure. All right, Kyle, you want to roll call those pro flow Patreon supporters? I am super hyped to read the following names of our pro flow level patrons. This is a big... Big uh, executive big producers, you get EP on your. Uh, <laughs> yeah, these are the big guns. These are major thank yous. Um, these are MDB. These are amazing. Uh, Max Chow, thank you. Neil Shoemaker, thank you. What? Brian Hig Higgins, thank you. Evan Cunningham, thank you. Terrence Stillen Rooney, Lick. My dog. <laughs> Luke Whitford, thank you. Sean Trani, thank you. Damian Stewart, thank you. Josh Luff, thank you. Kristen Lukey, thank you. Your personal wife. My own personal, personal wife. My own personal wife. There she is. God bless her. <laughs> Hell yeah. We fucking did it. All right. See you in a couple weeks, folks. Good job, team. Bye, y'all. Love I'm you guys. Vacation, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs>